listening to Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join us here. As always, you can bring up anything that's on your mind. The number for you, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And here in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. Not sure uh, where Penguin is. Uh, Chris, who's normally here with us, normally he is—he's uh, here. So hopefully everything's okay. He didn't get arrested, maybe while uh, like Joa did earlier this week. We didn't mention that last night. Uh, the reason why Joa was not here last night was apparently on his birthday a few days ago. He was on his way to his birthday party, and county sheriffs pulled him over and arrested him for so-called driving while license suspended and from what he told me the driving while license suspended charge is based on uh, suspension that he received for a fine an supposedly unpaid fine that he says he has paid twice wow so now he's got to deal with a misdemeanor charge could place him in jail for up to one year uh, on this so we'll see how that all shakes out but for now he's not allowed to drive so i don't know when the next time we're gonna have him behind a microphone is hopefully uh it'll be sooner rather than later um so hopefully the same fate did not befall chris tonight anyway if you want to join us the number is 603-283-6160 you know i was going to get into do we have some covid news for instance to talk about tonight because you know there's always bad news in that area with mask mandates coming back down and and I was thinking, oh, we should talk about how Keene, New Hampshire might be putting a mask mandate back into place. And I I'm not going to wear a mask, but... I'm not either, and we didn't during their first mask mandate. In fact, I sued, along with Aria Demetso, our co-host, and the lady that owns the local pho noodle place here in town called Pho Keen Great. We sued the federal, or not the federal government, we sued the state government and we sued the city of Keene over their mask mandates, which we argued was... You know, illegal, unconstitutional, and it took about a year. It was literally like 11 months before the court finally made a ruling on that case, and they threw it out of court. Uh, the, the judge basically said that, oh, well, because you weren't arrested, you, didn't, you never received a ticket for not wearing a mask, so therefore you have no standing. Well, also... And- um, they said that you didn't receive any like damages, which isn't true, especially for Malays. She could claim that people, less people, were going out to eat because she of had to the close two fear of her mongering. Businesses. Yeah, she had to close two restaurants over the COVID restrictions. So we uh, unfortunately didn't have the best attorney in that case. And while he said that we could appeal it, he never actually did anything about appealing it. And some have a some have theorized that our attorney in that case, his whole job was to throw the case. Hmm. This is sort of like a conspiracy theory, and it's an interesting theory. So um, I'm talking to some people about possibly finding a different attorney, and if they do bring the mask mandate back, filing another lawsuit. Now, look, I don't think lawsuits are the solution to things. Well, maybe I should go get a ticket first. Then we can yeah. claim something. Well, that's an interesting point, Bonnie. I wonder if you even can get a ticket, because... Hmm. If you recall, we had a conversation with a police officer uh, a few weeks ago out while we were eating dinner. One of the few you know, times I'm let out by my uh, probation officer. I'm not on probation, for the record. I'm on pretrial confinement in my own home. But as we were eating dinner one day downtown, a police officer came by and he expressed that he was on our side when it came to the mask mandates. So I think it would actually probably be difficult to get a keen police officer to write a ticket 
for a violation of a mask mandate because it seems to be one of those things where they're using their discretion, which, of course, is police's. It's their right to uh, to use discretion. They can choose not to enforce pretty much any law with the exception of like a felony in progress. I think there's like a few exceptions where where police discretion doesn't apply. Yeah. If they see a murderer, they can't just be like, oh, I don't feel like going over there. Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I hope that, uh, you know, we're going to, well, first of all, I hope they don't put the mask mandate back into place, but we're not going to know more about that until next week because the political process, you know, it takes, it takes some time. They had a meeting this week about that. Uh, now there's going to be a public hearing on the matter at a committee meeting. So, so the way the city council works is they have to assign the issue to a smaller group of councilors who then hear the public. So actually the whole city council doesn't hear from the public, which is a crappy way to set things up. It's only the committee members who do. Hmm. So I imagine some of the freedom lovers are going to go to that meeting next week. I know we're planning on going. So did the whole uh, city council meet for the one yet yeah, last night? Yeah, last night was the full city council meeting. But they don't get to hear public no, all Comment. they do, not at their full meetings, no. That's stupid. Uh, all they do is they send it to the committee, the committee hears it. So I'd gone over to the local newspaper website just to look and just kind of refresh and see if there was any news about the mask mandate. And what do I see <laughs> but a feature story headline, Ringe Rep Santanastaso among sponsors of New Hampshire secession proposal. And this made me think, ooh, maybe the secession bill which is a constitutional amendment proposed here in New Hampshire that could go on the ballot as soon as 2022, in November of 2022. And I thought, well, maybe the bill's got a bill number. And I looked through the article, and they don't reference the bill number there. And so I went to the New Hampshire State's website, and nope, nope, still no bill number. So I was actually surprised that the mainstream media is writing a story, because this may be the first kind of feature story about uh the new hampshire secession proposal that it's certainly the one the only one i've seen i wonder if they just didn't know about it before great question uh here's the story from rick green at the Keene sentinel perhaps the most startling proposal at the new hampshire legislature and that's a big claim by the way to startling yeah to say that it's the most startling proposal because there are over 800 pieces of legislation that are proposed in new hampshire on a regular basis every session yeah there's a bill um about turning the definition of child abuse changing it to have uh, to include um gender reconfirmation surgery yeah so there's all kinds of topics that one would consider to be startling but for them to say that this is the most or perhaps the most startling proposal i'll take that as an uh you know i'll take that as a compliment uh, beginnings uh, has the title beginning with the words relating to independence under the proposed constitutional amendment sponsored by seven Republican lawmakers. I thought it was nine. Hmm, I think uh, it is nine. Unless well, two withdrew I guess, or something. Well, maybe Matt is not one that's a sponsor, right? No, he's a co-sponsor. Oh, they're all the co-sponsors. There's mm-hmm. not like a. I think there's a prime main sponsor. One. Yeah, yeah, there's the main sponsor, and that's Mike Sylvia, and he's a free stater. He's a liberty guy. And then Matt Santanastasso is one of the co-sponsors. In fact, he's the first co-sponsor because he was there from the beginning. Uh, it's, it states, quote, The state peaceably declares independence from the United States and proceeds as a sovereign nation. Unquote. It's very, very simple. Very simple language on this uh, amendment. 
And if it gets on the ballot, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the people of New Hampshire vote on this. Santa Nastasso, who did not return requests for comment by text, email, or phone over the past week, participated in, but said little in a series of video chats with Representative Mike Sylvia of Belmont and others over the summer, in which strategies for furthering the proposal are discussed. The chats, which are posted on nhexit.us, wow. thanks for the link, Sentinel, appreciate it, uh, attracted public attention over comments by Sylvia that anti-immigrant sentiment could be used to further the argument for secession. Sylvia said in the August 12th video chat, quote, This is not my feeling, but you know the atmosphere out there is that those dirty Mexicans or Guatemalans or whatever are coming across the border bringing in COVID with them, unquote, he said. Uh, and then they add in here in parentheses, Mexico, which has a population of 130 million, has recorded 3.9 million COVID cases and 294. I don't know why that even matters. I'm just going to skip that. They just put, they compare the U.S. with Mexico and COVID cases and deaths. I kind of wish he didn't say that just because I know what he meant. But for one thing, I don't think that it's necessarily true that if we declared independence, that we'd have to have closed borders. So I don't really get the point he was making. Uh, the point he was making is that if you pander... To those people who believe in closed borders, then they will support secession. Yeah, but why does secession automatically include closed borders? I don't really understand that. I don't. It doesn't automatically include that. But for the people who are in favor of closed borders, they can be persuaded to support secession because they will believe that it will result in closed borders of New Hampshire, <laughs> where the federal government in their mind has failed to close the borders. They believe they will succeed at closing them in New Hampshire. And that's we can discuss that deeper because it is an important issue and it's going to come up again and again. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live and the number here. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's now Ian. And Chris. And Bonnie. Chris uh, was running a little bit late, apparently, because the cryptocurrency meetup was just that interesting. <laughs> it was. Spent a little bit extra time there, and that's something that we do regularly here in New Hampshire, especially in Manchester, and the Seacoast and Keene, where there are regular cryptocurrency meetups. Of course, the Seacoast and Keene are the two hot spots as far as where you can actually go and spend cryptocurrency in real life. In fact, Bonnie uh, just tonight went and spent some crypto at the uh, the Indian food place here in Keene, which is always a pleasure to uh, to enjoy that food. So, so good. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. even in a little bit of an understatement because there's places all across New Hampshire that are taking crypto. There are, but really it focuses uh, on There's a concentration. Keen. It focuses sure. mostly on Keene, and it focuses a little bit less on the seacoast. Manchester, it's Murphy's Tap Room, and that's yeah, about it. I'm thinking more like places, you know, surrounding places like Hillsborough and Elstead. Hillsborough's got a couple. There's, there's, yeah. there's other places. Uh, there's a spattering know. here and there yeah, in some of the towns. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to go but, to I mean, a We're real... also talking about some pretty small towns, so yeah, yeah. 5,000 people or less, maybe. Yeah, if you want to go to a real hot spot, then Keene is the, the place to be. In fact, there was a story at, uh, I think it was Bitcoin Magazine that I saw just the other day. Somebody posted on social media all about how libertarians need to embrace Bitcoin as their solution to like ending the state. 
and I wrote a comment to the guy on his Twitter saying because he had po- you know posted the story there, and I said. Uh, have you heard about the Free State Project? Because <laughs> we've been embracing Bitcoin here in New Hampshire, like almost from the very beginning, like from the earliest days of cryptocurrency. As a way to avoid funding the state. Yeah, exactly. And empowering the individual to yeah, have there, control of their money. There's people in our community, uh, especially the technical among us, who played with it before it had any value at all. So, yeah. <laughs> Some of the libertarians were some of the earliest adopters, uh, and many of those people are here in New Hampshire. So, you know, if you actually are a liberty-minded person and you're into cryptocurrency, there's no better place to be than here in New Hampshire. And specifically, Keene and Portsmouth are the, definitely the two hot spots. So I want to get back into the secession story coming up here in a moment and also let you know that if you are interested in learning about cryptocurrency then you should get over to bitcoin.com because they have a great little get started section where you can learn the basics about bitcoin and bitcoin cash for instance which uh, again cryptocurrency not going anywhere anytime soon as far as like leaving our lives it's likely going to become more important to our lives especially as we see the state uh continuing to inflate their money supply continuing maybe into hyperinflation there's uh, some some ways to get away from that and cryptocurrency may be one of those ways in fact today the uh, price of Bitcoin fell all the way down to as low as 51000 and change. It wow. Was, it's currently sitting at about 53700 So That's great because that just means it's on sale because it keeps going up yeah. to around 60000 It's a Christmas sale right now. Holiday sale for, uh, for Bitcoin. So go to Bitcoin.com, click Get Started at the top of the page. And you can learn more. And just watch, you know, if you're short on time, just watch that first video. It'll take you all of three minutes. And then you'll get some of the basics because there are some new concepts involved here. There is a bit of a learning curve. It is a new concept to have decentralized, cryptographically secure uh, forms of money. So, again, Bitcoin.com. And also their news site is fantastic over at news.bitcoin.com. But let's go to your phone calls and thoughts before we get back into New Hampshire independence and the the bill that is now getting some mainstream media attention, maybe just the beginnings of what will hopefully be a tidal wave of mainstream attention. Let's go first to Dave in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Dave. Ian, two questions. Number one, why did you dye your hair orange? Because I can see it. And number two... (laughs) Number two, why do women go around ruining men's lives? Uh, well, first of all, it was Halloween, so orange is a good Halloween color. But actually, it was actually part of my way to ruin I, Ian's life. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> I, I, isn't it? Isn't it obvious? Why does any man color their hair orange? They've got a girlfriend, right? <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, told told my old girlfriend that if she would t- uh, dye her hair, I would dye mine, and she yeah, never got around to it. So Bonnie just convinced me to go ahead and do it for Halloween. And actually, it was originally like orange, green, and uh, and pink. Yeah, uh, and multiple, yellow. It was like a multicolor kind of situation. And then once that faded a little bit, we went ahead and just did all orange because I like I like orange. Anyway, uh, what about your question with women ruining people's lives? What's what's happening, Dave? Because it's not like you've had a girlfriend in in ten years, right? <laughs> Back in 2013, this girl, Katie Sarvis, she, you know, when I was still living over the BWS. Back in 2013. Okay. Right. And I, I, I was on Facebook, whatever, blah blah blah. And you know, I can't swear because of the FCC, Thank blah you. blah blah. So. Um, she invited. She hit me up on Facebook, invited me over, 
We ended up doing it. And then she kicks me out saying, oh, my boyfriend might be home soon. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. So that ruined like, your life I, or ruined her boyfriend? Did you want to stick around or didn't you want to leave? I really don't want to swear because of the FCC and all yeah, that stuff. Don't do that. Because, you know, I, I, I would love to swear, if you could, but, you know. Can't do that. Um, but she basically ruined my life, she, you know, because, you know, I haven't gotten laid since 2013. <laughs> well, how did that ruin your life? It sounds like she did you a favor. If, if indeed getting laid is one of your primary goals in life, Dave, and it sounds to me like it's pretty important to you, given that you've been complaining about this now for close to a decade. <laughs> Well, I mean, did did it? Did she give you something that you now can't get a, another girlfriend be, as a result of? You mean like I mean, an STD? Yeah. <laughs> yes. and, how did how did she I ruin your sound, life? I don't want to sound like a nightmare or a burden, but like if I don't if I don't get laid by the time I'm fifty, I will find the nearest highest bridge and jump. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Are you saying you've never been laid? No, or? he got laid in twenty thirteen. <laughs> oh. Are you paying attention? Yeah, but but he's okay. The way he phrased it, he's later, saying if he doesn't confusing. get laid again, okay, you don't get. Okay. Now, how old are you now, Dave? Um, I will be forty-seven come February of next so year. So you've got oh, three God. years. Now, does it count when you buy a prostitute? Yeah, I was gonna say, why don't you just go to a brothel or something? No, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm not going to pay for a prostitute. I want a girl oh, on my good bed naked every single night. Oh God. <laughs> Well, now, wait a minute. Now you're. I thought that they would ruin your lives or your wife. (laughs) You have a wife. I'm so lost. No, he has no wife. Can you imagine marrying this guy? No, but. Go go ahead, Dave. What were you saying? Actually, hold that thought. Hang on. I'm going to bring you back here in just a moment. I got I got to put him on hold because, you know, he might say something. He's he's all worked up and our dump machine is uh, is exiting. So I don't want him to say anything. That he's not supposed to say, Dave, if you will hang on, we will bring you back. I feel like he did get close to saying something bad yeah. earlier. Yeah, and he is want to do those uh, those sorts of things. Anyway, the number here is 603-283-6160. If you have advice for Dave, he's an angry, jaded man, and yet he wants a woman on his bed naked every single night. Yeah, he's having trouble even getting a one-night stand hookup with, right, without, to get laid. And he wants it without having to pay for it. I'm going to say, number one, he's going to have to change his attitude. Does he have a job? Yeah. Definitely the job is would also uh, probably be a big He hasn't factor. had a job for a while. He a hasn't job. had a job for quite a while. We'll, Since Uber Eats fired him. We'll, we'll, we'll find out about that coming up here. Let him answer your question, Bonnie. In moments, this is Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything you want. Uh, Coming up, we're going to continue the discussion on the New Hampshire independence idea that is hopefully going to be on the ballot for New Hampshire voters in late 2022, if all goes well. 
the conversation and the controversy is just getting started on this with now a mainstream media article might be the first one that I can recall. There there have been some letters to the editor that have been written about this. Yeah, those were some of those were in reaction to stories, some of those letters. I don't to think editor. they were. Yeah, the Sun uh Sun I forget, I forget what they're I think it's a Seacoast paper. Um Did they, they write a story? They had about a it? they had a story okay. and then um, I reacted to one of those stories. All right, good. And it got so, published, right? And it got published, yeah. All right, good. Uh there's gonna be a lot more of that coming. We'll talk more on the way. Uh, it's Ian with you tonight. Chris and Bonnie. Freedoms Phoenix is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site. If you want the newest and freshest stories and perspectives on liberty, then freedomsphoenix.com has it. You can go there, sign up for their daily dispatch, and get the latest on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state over at freedomswithansphoenix.com. That's freedomsphoenix.com. Dave is still there. He is uh, calling us from New York, and he is upset He's mad at all women because he doesn't have a woman in his bed every single night naked. Those are his words. That's what he says he wants by the time he turns 50. So what you're saying, David, and I just want to clarify this before we get to Bonnie's question. Uh, I just want to clarify. You're saying that you need to have a woman in your bed every single night naked in order for you not to kill yourself? Or will you not kill yourself if you just have sex one time uh, before you're 50? I want a woman in my bed every single night. If I don't, if I don't get lit, because nobody wants, nobody wants to bang a fifty-year-old. <laughs> okay. I mean, have you have you thought about lowering your standard maybe a little bit? Oh, I, I, I think I, has been. I have a whole list of things he might need to do in order to possibly get laid again. And the first thing, the number one, where you're going to start, Dave, is you need to go get a job. If you still don't have a job since Uber Eats fired you. I don't want a job. Why well, wake up in the morning and, 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 and go to work and deal with some boss that you don't freaking like? Okay, hold on. Well, who's going to pay the bills? Well, Uber Eats, you don't have to deal with a, a boss that you don't like. Do something else like Uber Eats, and this time just don't get fired. I used to do Instacart way back in January, and they fired me all because of the selfie issue. It wasn't a selfie issue. You wouldn't take a selfie. You took a picture of your driver's license when it asked you to take a selfie, even though that's supposed to prove who you are, so they need a physical picture of you. So he wouldn't even verify himself to to the company in that case. He said, why does it matter? It's a picture of me. Yeah, well, that's not what they asked you for. Uh, I don't want to rehash that. So, Dave, what you're saying is you don't have a job right now. You don't want to work for somebody. And I don't blame you there, right? Like, jobs suck. It's no fun to work for somebody because then you're just putting your time into building somebody else's business. It, it is obviously best if you can build your own business. If you Start writing create... ebooks about whatever it is that <laughs> you are interested in. You know, I bet he could get people to buy an ebook about hating women. There's a mm-hmm. lot oh, of, for sure. How lot of, yeah. to be an incel. Yeah, there's like a yeah. lot of misogynistic or, as you say, incel uh, people out there. I need a girlfriend to be with. I need a physical girlfriend to be with every single day. Is that before you get a job? I don't want a job. Dave, you got to answer my question. How are the bills going to get paid if you aren't willing to work? You already know what I'm on. Welfare? (laughs) You're saying you're on welfare. It's not called welfare. What do they call it now? It's, it's, oh my God. Uh LRN.FM.
Sorry. I don't think he meant to that time. I don't think he meant to, but he's gone. Definitely didn't sound like he meant to. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't matter. I mean, you just, you have to drop uh, people, unfortunately. Most people, you know, I don't think they mean to. Yeah. Um, He... He refuses to get work. He's not interested in in working. He uh, and, and look, the reality is, unless you, I just don't think there are that many women that are that interested, or at least women of value that are interested in a guy that's on welfare. Ooh, yeah, I mean, Bonnie, you're the lady on the program here. Is that something that you would find attractive as a man <laughs> who has no work ethic whatsoever? No, I think immediately if I found out a guy was just like. Physically able to work, not, you know, like, leg, yeah. no, no he's legs. he's not crippled. You know, and he just I've was like, him. no, I don't want to get a job. I'm on welfare. I'd be like, okay, have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we're only going to have three more years of Dave's calls. <sighs> the number here is 603-283-6160. You're on uh, Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hey, it's Turd Ferguson. What's up, guys? Turd, you're on the air. Yeah, so um, I, I just wanted to respond quickly to Dave from New York because... I, I well, I think the first time I actually called in to um, say that Dave from New York was a douche was back in probably 2013 or something like that, and he's progressively um, not become any less of a douche since then. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to say because I have some advice for him. Um, first okay. of all, he was just he was just flat out wrong about one thing. He said that no no girls want to bang any 50 year old men. In <laughs> 2021, that's just not true. I mean, if, true. if you just look at the yeah, if, if you just look at the data, um, in twenty twenty one, young women are increasingly attracted to older men. And I do have a theory though of Hold on, before you go into your theory, you think that's somehow different now than it was in the past? I mean, it's not hard to find well, example after example of older men with younger women throughout you know, history. And they usually have money. <laughs> right. Well there's that, but well, it's even it's even more commonplace now. Actually. Why? It's been increasing. I would say I, I, I agree. Well, Most people I know. Well, I think fifty-year-olds are also starting to take care of themselves more and more, more than they used to. Hmm. But, I mean, there um, is Viagra. Well, look, I don't know how da- how old Dave from New York is. But he's forty-seven. My first <laughs> he's not. No, that way he's twenty-seven. No, 40, forty-seven. Forty-seven. Oh, uh, forty. Oh, yeah, and okay, he said he's going to kill himself uh, by throwing himself off a bridge. If he, well, I guess I presume that means he's going to kill himself. Maybe he's going to throw himself off a uh, very Short low bridge. bridge. Uh, but uh, he, he sprained su- his ankle. Suggested he was going to kill himself by age of fifty if he doesn't have a woman in his bed naked every night. Yeah, well, that was. A, I mean, first of all, he was just saying that for attention. Um, <laughs> he's not actually going to do that because he's he's just trying to get a pity lay out of some woman out there. But, <laughs> oh God! I, but, that's oh, what I can say though. That's a thing but, too. But, but, well, I, well, I doesn't seem to be that. working for him though. Maybe he should cripple himself. There are women that are into oh, cripples. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, my suggestion first would be, and I know Dave's really not in very good shape because I've seen pictures <laughs> of him. So my first recommendation would be to Dave first get on TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. It's going to help you out. That's the first thing that's going to help him out dramatically. What does that mean? What is testosterone replacement therapy? So, so after age 18, men's bodies stop producing testosterone um, hmm. more and more and more as they get over, yeah. as they get older. So it, it peaks at 18 and it gets less and less all the way to the, to the, to the end of your life. Huh. Dave is probably suffering from T levels, probably in the in the low threes, if not high twos. So that's really bad. So I recommend Dave get on testosterone replacement therapy immediately and start working out. Get himself into shape. He's got plenty of time. I mean, if you're on welfare, <laughs> yeah. you've got nothing but time. Yes, and and also 
I would also recommend that Dave really do some some soul searching, a, a, a lot a lot of soul digging, and find out what he really likes likes in life, what he's really good at, and then start a consulting business, and then and then maybe you can get you know ten twenty grand per client a year, and he might not and he might only need five ten clients to get to become a pretty wealthy man per year. You know, it, I don't it, think he wants to work at all. I think his excuse of oh I don't want to go to a job every day and work for somebody I don't like. I think he just knew we would sympathize with that. I'm pretty sure he just doesn't want to work at all. There's got to be something else going on with them. I mean, it's there's, I mean, can you even get welfare? You know, as a male, um, apparently, you know, he's and, getting SSI, but he's not been on it for years and years and years. He seems like he might be a little crazy. Like he must like have some disability. Expire? Yeah, it's got to no, be some sort of disability. Disability. Thing. They pay you till you die, don't they? They might for disability, but it's not disability if he's if he's on like well, normal welfare. There's a time limit for it. Disability. Yeah. So so he is. He said he wasn't disabled, right? Well, I mean, he's—I suspect that he is. I he mean, must be. Yeah, he's he must some have some way. sort of disability, like yeah. crazy, I guess. Yeah, maybe like a crazy kind of disability. A disability. Yeah. Turd, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate the advice. Sure. The number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. If you want to join us, maybe you've got advice for Dave in New York. Dave the Angry in New York. He's been angry ever since he first started calling this show, and I think that's been like. I don't know, 12 years ago or something like that. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join us. It is Free Talk Live. Phones are open here if you want to join us. And the number is 603-283-6160. I want to say thanks to Nicole Edge who is, as far as I know, not related to Mark Edge. But she is a Free Talk Live supporter via our new AMPS program. And you can join AMPS over at amps.freetalklive.com. It is our new Patreon. It's a way for you to support us. In case you didn't hear, a few months ago, the credit card processor that we had just decided they didn't want to deal with us anymore, even though we've had more than a decade uh, of doing, you know, good business with them. They just decided they were done with us. So uh, we went ahead and moved over to Patreon, and that has worked out well so far. We've got over 50 of our former amplifiers that have made the switch over to the AMPS Patreon, which you can join over at amps.freetalklive.com. Thanks, Nicole. She's a gold uh, level, which means that she's doing 10 bucks a month over at amps.freetalklive.com. So, uh, unless y'all have anything else to say about Dave in New York, I think we can. I don't think that's a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I I guess it's worth saying he did call back and apologize for saying the S word on the air. So that's very kind of him and uh, was was unexpected. And I told him, hey, you can call in any night. There's no, you know, you're not banned or anything like that. You just only one call per night. So it wasn't terrible uh, with him on the air, but, uh, you know, other than the end, maybe. So uh, let me get back into this story here. This about the independence bill that is still awaiting a bill number. We're probably going to get that within the next few weeks. I imagine it'll come out before Christmas time because in 2022 they start having hearings. I, f- I felt like we had a number already. No, was the, that there like is a, a number. number? Yeah, it's like a pre-number. Okay. It's, it's a really long one that's like eight digits long or yep. something like that. And and the one that's going to come is probably yep. going to be one or two digits. Gotcha. Uh, so. Uh, right now, there, but surprisingly, the mainstream media has picked up on the story, and the Sentinel, which is the Keene, New Hampshire newspaper, that's where we do this show from, 
uh, has a story written by, let's see, Rick Green on Sentinel Staff. So he cites NHExit.us and the videos that we've been doing on a weekly basis uh, where we've been just kind of like, you know, figuring out what to do. It was in the early days back in August, I think, when we started this. And uh, that was when we were kind of hammering out what the language of the the proposal was going to be. And he quotes Mike Sylvia, who's the main uh, person, the main state representative. He's a great freedom-loving guy. He's an A-plus rated rep by the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. He's a free stater. He's a longtime supporter, actually, of this show, Free Talk Live. Uh, great guy. Love Mike Sylvia. Anyway, he's the guy that, that sponsored this bill. And he said in, a, in one of the video chats from August 12th, quote, This is not my feeling, but you know the atmosphere out there is that those dirty Mexicans or Guatemalans or whatever are coming across the border, bringing in COVID with them. And uh, that was the quote that got a little bit of media kind of stirred up shortly thereafter. <laughs> a lot of leftists were and angry the, about that. The, the crazy thing about that quote is he even uh, said that wasn't what he felt. Correct. I it's know, what it, other people are saying. And luckily, it's, even it's so crazy to blame him for something other people are saying. That is true. Are and, we going to blame the reporter for reporting on the fact that he said uh, other people feel that way? Yeah, like, true. I mean, the, He's the, just the, the reporting reporter is on just the fact. as bad. Yeah, but most of the mainstream media that covers that quote, they, I mean, all of it, I think, so far has kept that part in. So, like, that's at least fair for them to keep it in. But then they just proceed to act like that that first part of the sentence, these are not my feelings, is not in the sentence. Right. And it just goes on and talks about it. Right. And I think it's because it's, you know, I mean, I mean this is the slant and uh, the, uh, the sentinel is, is called the sentinel for a it reason. Is, right. Yeah. I mean, so it, this is not unexpected. I don't think this is the same kind of stuff, you know, that they do, you know, with every other story they always have. And I don't even know it's necessarily just a slant. I, I maybe particularly bad with slant, but, um, you know, I, I see this all the time with reporting on, on stuff, especially like when I know about like, you know, what the story actually is, there'll be stories and it's like, that's not what was said to the reporter. And it's it's just like they, they get things wrong it's pretty common, and yeah. they, they twist it into some whatever, whatever the story is they want to tell. Yeah, they have a narrative. Yeah. Dishonest and just bad. Right. It's reporting. Dis- dishonest and terrible reporting on like if you actually are looking for facts and things like that. But in this case, he the reporter does say that uh, the comments by Sylvia that anti-immigrant sentiment could be used to further the argument for secession. That is what Sylvia said. So he's not being misreported here. He did say yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So this reporter is not, you know, trying to... I mean, he's definitely putting this first and foremost in the article for a reason, right? Oh, so right. Th- there is that narrative yeah. that you're talking about. Right. Then they-, they go on to just talk about the numbers of COVID in Mexico versus here. Yeah, I mean... They just kind of... They're pulling out a just some a random piece of like different possible like things that could be done that work. It was just a general open house kind of uh, you know town hall kind of conversation going on here where th- people were discussing different things that could be you know might that might be things you could do. I not with, to say that any of them were good. Yeah. Well, I think that what I think Mike Sylvia was saying that this could be useful, right? Like using people, and this is what you were confused about before, Bonnie. So that's why I wanted to come back to it. What he's saying is, I understand it. I can't put words in his mouth. He's not here to to clarify for himself. But what he's saying is, there is an anti-immigrant sentiment out there, whether we like it or not. As right. libertarians, we're we're open borders people. I mean, I think I can. Is that true for yeah. all of us here? Okay, uh, we're open borders people. We believe in the freedom to travel without having to ask some bureaucrat's permission. I think that's a pretty clear libertarian sentiment. 
What Mike is saying here is that there are people on the right, and he is a registered Republican. He was working; he's a libertarian who's working within the Republican Party. So yeah, he said some pretty like he said something about the non-aggression principle whenever he's, he's out. Principled, yeah, yeah, he's very principled. But he also knows who his audience is, hmm. and the reality is there's a lot of people on the right who are afraid of immigrants. Now that's wrong to be afraid of immigrants. That has to do with the federal government and governments, you know, propaganda, propaganda making immigrants look like they're somehow taking people jobs or whatever like there's a lot of negative negativity about immigration and a lot of it's just total bs yeah but the reality is they still believe that they're taking our jobs and they still believe that immigrants are somehow a danger they're bringing diseases they, they just they have all this propaganda out there are they terrorists or drug dealers and so he's just saying look because some people are so afraid of immigrants they will actually come on board and support secession and so from that perspective, at least in that one issue, there are allies. I do understand that that was what he was saying. But even when he said that, like during the meeting, I was in here just listening with the headphones and I, literally I thought, this oh, God, this well. is going to be spun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I and, and I was thinking the same thing. And I mean, I, I get that there. So and the thing to think about, though, is this is just a conversation about like, OK, well, how do you approach this? Right. And how do you get people on board? It, it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't there, there was nobody there never been a point at which we got to where we we're like even discussing whether it was a good or bad you know thought right mm-hmm. um so he might think about it some more and be like oh that was a really terrible idea right it's it's you know there's a moral aspect to this that is um you know uh, we shouldn't do this but he didn't get there because it's just a an idea a thought a a something an observation right yeah. And it's not an it's not a false observation, but the reality right. of it is, it is going to be used to make him look like he might be a racist or something like that. And that's not true, as he said, it's not his uh, feeling. He doesn't. And this is that. the problem with having honest, open conversations at a ta- town hall. You're the enemy. Anybody who's your enemy, anybody who dislikes you, is going to use things you say. They'll They're going to take them out of context. Yeah. They'll selectively yeah. edit exactly. And uh, unfortunately, that's just the reality of it. Yeah, you know? it is. And, and I think that uh, the, the reality also is that that statement did get this covered that it otherwise might not have gotten this is true as too. well so it might have actually been you know you know to our benefit really house speaker sherman packard put out a statement at the time saying house leadership does not condone racial stereotyping which he didn't do and uh, is not remotely involved in promoting secession so there you go the official position from the republican house uh speaker is that they are not in favor of this bill Sylvia, who didn't return several calls for comment, discussed a variety of talking points in the chats, including taxation, Obamacare, election law, refugee resettlement, foreign policy, climate change, carbon taxes, critical race theory, and COVID-19 mandates. He said, quote, there are a lot of people very unhappy with D.C. The federal government has totally perverted the ends of our desired government, and it's clearly time to make a change. And simply removing the current configuration of the United States of America is apparently a good way to go, unquote. I, I want to know who... And that's a good quote. Yeah. I want to know who is pro-DC. I really want to know this, because yeah. I've never heard anybody say, I'm pro-DC, unless maybe I've they're a politician. I've seen it on Twitter, and I just thought, whoa, really? is this a fake account? Like, yeah. it's just so weird. That's, I, I, I've just I've never heard it, whether you're it's a Democrat or a Republican. unhuman. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's I, just unhuman to be wanting those people to be in charge of you it's crazy right it's but it's it's just like this idea that like nobody it you would think that like if you're a democrat you'd be against dc because you know obviously you're now competing with 
a larger group. You're competing with Republicans. So you're going to end up not having control. You're going to lose control every, you know, so many years, right? So it just doesn't make any sense to me. Let's talk more about it coming up here. There's more to the story as well. A mainstream media reporting finally on the New Hampshire secession proposal, the constitutional amendment that is currently working its way through the, the bowels of the conquered government apparatus. There's more coming up here in moments. Hour number two is on the way. Free Talk Live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. If you want to join us, you can take control of the airwaves. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian and Chris. And Bonnie. Coming up, we'll talk about uh, the elderly getting behind the wheel of a car and how uh, one international government might be putting a stop to it. Whether that's their intention or not, we'll explain on the way. Chris has that story. Uh, again, the number here is 603-283-6160. But first, we're talking about some of the good news, and that is uh, that here in uh, New Hampshire, we've got a ballot measure that it, you know, with any luck, will actually make it to the 2022 ballot. What needs to happen is 60% of the New Hampshire House and 60% of the Senate have oh. to vote for it. Never mind. I thought you said 60 was wrong. Uh, no, 60% of the Senate and 60% of the House have to vote for it, and then 67, roughly 67% of the people would then have to vote to pass it. Oh, okay. I, it, I, I will have to say, I do have to say, it's it's very close, uh, the support, so I don't know that we'll we'll get there, but um that's still good because you need you need such a high, it's such a high barrier to uh, pass a, a constitutional amendment in yeah. new hampshire but it's not impossible by the it's way not impossible it, but it actually happened twice yeah. in 2018 there were two constitutional amendments proposed on the ballot in 2018 and they voted uh the people of new hampshire voted like over 80 percent what were they about them. one of them was a right to privacy provision for the constitution and the other one was the ability to sue certain governmental people uh, governmental agency. Was that a constitutional something? amendment? Those were both constitutional amendments. Really? I didn't realize that. I thought that was just Yeah, because a, New Hampshire doesn't have ballot measures. What was the right to privacy about exactly? You'll have to look it up uh, and pull up the actual language. It's, I, uh, it's, it's yeah, a privacy I, pr- protection that's for the Constitution. But not basically. for the government workers, right? Just for the people? For the people, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I remember it happening. I just don't really remember the d- details of it. 
Yeah, you'll um, have to pull up the language if yeah. you really want to know. I don't I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but I just brought it up as an example of yeah, like, I this has happened. I wouldn't expect you to. I mean, yeah. if you remember something from 2018. That's, the point is that it, it yeah. happened within the last three years. Sure, you sure. Know, this isn't like some rarity or whatever. It's not uncommon for it's not impossible. the people of New Hampshire to vote for a constitutional amendment if they like it. And the people in New Hampshire tend to be independence-minded, you know, that... They voted for a privacy protection uh, provision. So anyway, back to the story here from the Keene Sentinel. This is the local newspaper here in uh, the mainstream uh, paper here in the Keene, New Hampshire area. It's actually been around since like the late 1700s. Amazing. uh, You know, they're still in business, but they are. Well, so uh, back to the story here about the uh, Ringe representative Santa Nastasso, who is a first time state rep. So that's sort of their focus of the story is like ooh, local (laughs) rep behind this bill. And he is indeed one of the original co-sponsors of the bill, which has almost the maximum number of co-sponsors, which is a good sign, I think, for its future success. Although the article here claims only seven people are co-sponsoring. Last we heard it was nine. So I don't know if they got their facts wrong or if two people bailed out. So I don't know. How do you bail? I don't think you can bail out, can you? I'm sure you can. You can probably contact the, the state and say, all right, take my name off this. But... Uh, it's probably more likely the reporter got it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> the report reporters are <laughs> notorious for getting that kind of stuff wrong. So more quotes here from the story. Again, they couldn't reach State Representative Sylvia or Santa Nastasso for comment, but coming up, they actually do reach another co-sponsor, so they'll they'll get a fresh quote. But otherwise, they're just pulling quotes from the videos. Yeah, uh, that uh, that we we had these sort of open public discussions about what should be done. You know, what should the language of the bill be? And so going on. Uh, Sylvia said Texas is another state where there's been a sentiment for secession and even suggested New Hampshire could throw in its lot with the Lone Star State if they both seceded. Sylvia said, quote, you don't necessarily have to have physical borders connecting states to become a collective. So if we want to join with Texas, why not? He said, well, I would say why not? Because, well, I don't want Texas you know, messing with us as I don't far want, as our yeah. rules. And I don't concerned. want Austin people voting for anything that affects me here in New I, Hampshire. And it's not just an Austin thing. Yeah. I'm just saying because they're the so, capital. So I, I think I think uh, I think I agree with the sentiments, but I don't uh, I don't think that's something we actually want. You know, I expected right. him to say we could even trade with Texas. I, yeah, not, sure. I think we that could, was more the point that he was making hopefully. was that, yeah, we don't just because we're not part of the United States doesn't mean we can't trade with the United States or it doesn't mean we can't trade Correct. with Texas or some other, you know, uh, trade a trade, trade agreement fine yeah uh but no i don't want to vote for you know texas representatives or i don't want to have like you said texas people voting here to affect us right i nope. mean it, it does, it's contrary to what you're what you're yeah. what you're trying to do right unions, like so it doesn't really make much sense without yeah, we i think the world has proven context. that these unions do not work and they just lead to larger more controlling states look at the eu look at the united states i mean this is perfect it's the, the soviet union yeah i mean the the larger the organization the worse the government usually is So anyway, going on, he says he sees a lot of sentiment against the federal government when he goes to Republican meetings in his district in the Lakes region. Sylvia said, quote, when you go to those, and I do, there is a definite flavor of people who are not exactly friends of D.C., especially with the current figurehead down there. He's falling apart, Sylvia said. Yeah, whenever we go interview people just asking how they feel about independence in general or just D.C. in general... I'm always going away like, I love New Hampshire because people just (laughs) naturally are like that. It's not like they're like, oh, I've been following this bill closely and this is like all I'm about and thinking about. It's just how they naturally are. They're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. The uh, people in Washington, D.C. have done nothing but ruin my life. Why don't we just be New Hampshire? 
I, I, you know, I honestly think that you would probably find the same thing with like both sides of the aisle on this one when it comes to being against DC. Yeah. Um, because I mean, the government always, you know, I mean, sure, some of the time it, they do what you, well, maybe not us, but for the Democrats, you know, they do what you want. Some, but sometimes they don't. And then the other side has the ball, right? The and, only thing uh, with you can't go home. I mean, that's the problem is you, you can't take your ball and go home. You know, it's it's you're stuck with what you got. The only thing that is a problem with the left, I think, in independence is there's all this brainwashing in their beloved colleges and uh, public schools that say, oh, if you secede from Washington, D.C., somehow racists will take over because, oh, that's what the Civil War was fought all about. There's even mm. a Union soldier statue in the middle of Keene. I mean, the the racists aren't even allowed to speak anymore. I mean, how how much how much concern do you really have to worry about that? I think there's no concern of racism taking over if somebody no. leaves the Union. I don't understand how Joe Biden, a racist, being pre- president, <laughs> is stopping any racists from uh, taking over any state they want right now. It's just that there aren't that you know that that's not something that. I think that they have well, the power to Joe's, do take Joe's over not, a state. Joe's not actually racist. I think he's racist. He seems kind of racist. <laughs> he said minorities don't know how to get online. Oh, uh, yeah. Among other things, actually. <laughs> anyway, he said Biden is mocked in some international news broadcasts and that in some quarters, quote, the U.S. is an embarrassment. Maybe it's time, he said, to separate ourselves from it and spare ourselves the agony, unquote. Another sponsor of the legislation, Representative Peter Tarosian of Atkinson, New Hampshire, said in an interview Friday that its proponents have come in for undue criticism for a proposal that he views as more of a statement than a practical matter. As a constitutional amendment, it would require 60% in support in the House and Senate, and then the article gets this wrong, 60% support by voters. It's actually two-thirds support by voters. So it is 60% to get through the House and the Senate, which isn't impossible. Like, yeah, the Democrats and the Republicans, their, their leadership are going to encourage them to vote this thing down. But ultimately, what that says is, if you vote against this, you're saying you don't think the people of New Hampshire should be given a chance to make a statement about this. You don't think that you're not voting as a representative on whether or not you support secession. If you vote for this bill, you're not saying you support secession. You're saying, I support giving the people the opportunity to say what they think. And that's not a radical proposal. That's not a, whoa, this guy's crazy for voting for this kind of thing. In fact, that's the sensible thing to do is to, all right, let's put it on the ballot. I don't think the people of New Hampshire will support this. Let's put it on the ballot to show them, right? Let's let the people of New Hampshire show us that they support the United States government and continuing with the union. Yeah, it, it just definitely comes off as like this anti, uh, anti-democracy anti if you if you, if you yeah. vote against this, yeah, right? If, like, if you vote against this, you're showing that you don't believe you're a representative for the people that live in your jurisdiction or whatever. You're showing that you believe you're a person who you think is smarter than the people making decisions for them because they're too dumb. Right. Yeah, it's, it's like you're treating your... Uh, your 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 people, the people who vote for you, as if you own them, rather than the other way around, which you're supposed to be working for the people, not <laughs> not using them to you know get rich and other types of things like that. We got more coming up here from this what I would call feature length story. This is a, this is right now the main story when you go to the Keen Sentinels website. Really, it's the front and center, top top above the fold kind of story. Uh, so it makes me wonder if it's going to show up in tomorrow's newspaper or if it wasn't already in uh, today's above the fold. This is Free Talk Live.
It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. Maybe you want to weigh in on New Hampshire independence or independence wherever you are. I mean, I want to see 50 burgeoning, successful independence movements all across the United States. It shouldn't just be New Hampshire, California, and Texas uh, that are out there and and visible on this, but uh, it should be everywhere. There should be movements that are you know, lively and interesting and successful all over the place. But hopefully we can inspire some of that. I remember there's a caller that is pretty cool that calls from northern Georgia that says he thinks a lot of people in Georgia would be into it. Yep. Somebody's got to take the ball, though, and run with it. you got to start this thing somehow. And we're doing that here, uh, really kind of jump-starting it, because honestly, in the last decade, New Hampshire hasn't really been outstanding in any way when it comes to independence. There's been a, a couple of organizations the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence, which has done a good job over the years of just kind of trying to get the word out about independence. But, you know, that's there hasn't been any sort of like legislative action in any way until now. Yeah. You need you need something to actually happen, right? Yes. To get the ball rolling and, and, and the spark. introduction of a you know, these amendments is is that spark. It's a jump start. Yeah, it's yeah. it's what's really I mean, because if you're just talking about it, you're not really going to get that much talk. But if you're actually right. doing something, then all of a sudden people are talking because then it becomes a real thing. Right. And then now yeah. it's a possibility. Right. Is it is it probable? Well, you know, that's it's, up for debate. It's got more support than I could have thought. And yeah. it's got more support than Texas had. It has more support than uh, I think even uh, yes. Canada, uh, Quebec had when they when they went for their independence. Oh, really? I, I, I studied that in, in detail. I, I believe so. It was, it was, I think, I mean, Didn't I think. Didn't they get to vote on it there? Yeah, they got, they, they barely missed, the, they almost were successful in their independence movement. So it was a little it bit. It was on the ballot. Though. Yeah, yeah, it was on the ballot. Which would mean they are more twice, successful. Twice. Um, that means they're more successful. They than we the, are. Well, because right. we haven't gotten it on the ballot true, yet. True, but in so so I mean, in the terms of what the support was, uh, just the the general support as a, I mean, we don't know what it's we don't know what they're going to get on the ballot. But as far as like those people supporting it, we have really good numbers. Again, surprisingly right, positive results. Right, yeah. and we um, haven't had any like scientific poll though, so it'd be interesting. It's so interesting if it gets on the ballot just to see. What the numbers. Think. Right. Yeah, so the sure. unscientific poll, if we compare it to Texas, is I think it was like 10 to 25 percent between Whoa. three polls over the last decade oh as far goodness. as what the percentage of population that supported it. And it was the same type of poll that the uh, was it the union. I believe it was the union leader yeah, the union ran leader. here for New Hampshire independence and whether or not people supported it. So. And that one had like 70 to 80 percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was high. It was super high. I think it was I think it ended at like 71 percent. So more here from the Sentinel, the Keen Sentinel at sentinelsource.com. It's a headline story right now as we're doing the show here tonight. Uh, they've interviewed Representative Peter Tarosian, who is the only one that returned phone calls to the Sentinel about this story. And uh, so there's a few more comments from him coming up here. But now they get into the, the part that every mainstream media is going to like obli- you know, obligatorily have to publish The legal ability of states to secede has been questioned by (laughs) scholars. The U.S. Supreme Court found in an 1869 case out of Texas that the United States is, quote, an indestructible union, unquote, from which no state can secede. This is misleading uh, because what the I believe what the rule and I don't know if it was the same specific ruling, but one of these rulings actually said it's not that you can't 
you can't leave. It's that the way in which you're going about leaving, you can't do. So it's not that you can't leave. Mm. The, the courts actually ruled you can leave, um, you know, by that uh, ruling. And it's being manipulated into you can't leave. In a 2006 letter, then Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia said the matter was clear. Quote, if there was any constitutional issue resolved by the Civil War, it's that there is no right to secede, he said. That's not a legal argument. Oh, there was a there was a war. So just because there's not a legal right to secede does not mean that it, there's no path to it. It just means that the path that you've taken is not. Uh, it just means we got to yeah cut a new path. Yeah. And, you know, okay, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Well, you no, know, here's okay. So here's the other argument to this. If if that's correct, if what he's saying is true, right, and and you're interpreting it as there's no way to leave, if that's how you're going to interpret that, then there was no way for us to become an independent country. Uh, the United States. There was no way for us to become. Yeah, an it was not country. legal to it, leave right. the United Kingdom. <laughs> the United <laughs> Kingdom. Uh, we the are king still said no. Do you still recognize the King uh, of England uh, and uh, the UK as as owning us? Most people don't. Because if you don't. Then you have to also, uh, without unless you're you admit to be being a hypocrite, you also have to accept the fact that New Hampshire has the right to leave. Um, That's a great you point. know, and we don't have to ask your permission to do. Yeah, so. the king didn't want the United States to secede. Now, I'm not saying that we have to go about it the same way that our right, founders, the United States, the founders of the United States, you know, uh, went about it because they they did they did go to war over it. Yeah, I don't think we need to go there. Um, I don't think we're going to have to go there. So, but. You don't know where things are going to go. You don't know if you can do it peacefully until you try. And so if we fail... And that's fail, specifically in the language, by right. the way. The word peaceably right. is in the language of this proposal. If we fail, then you then ask the question of, okay, well, is it worth going to war over? Maybe the answer is no. Well, ultimately, we but, don't do that. We're going to take That's not this what this a, is about. Right. right. That's We're the whole We're going to take this from a peaceful perspective. Right. And the people that are going to be asking the question of whether or not this is worth going to war over are the federal government right. people. And what's interesting, too, is if you actually say, um, if you actually are against this, that means you are pro going to war over it because that's the alternative, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's either we go about this the peaceful route, where we, the way we are, or we don't even bother with an amendment and we just go to war over it, right? In which case, the federal government will then begin killing its own right. supporters because there will still be loyalists right. here in the uh, in New Hampshire let's, during a war. Let's, I say, let's try to do it the peaceful route, and you know uh, what comes next. You know, maybe it'll be an, you know maybe we will fail first time around, but maybe you know it's like we're really we're real. We, I personally want I want to go through about this peacefully. So I think even if we do fail let's just try again and we'll keep trying right exactly um, I, I think there's we need to build this issue yeah. to the key issue of our time for sure yeah tarosian the one guy that got to speak to them one of the co-sponsors uh said the slim republican majority in new hampshire's two legislative chambers is one reason that amendments chances for passage are minimal although i disagree with him as you pointed out chris the democrats say they're in favor of democracy i mean that's what they say, <laughs> they all, say all that, the time. It's in the yeah. name of their party. So if they are against voting, if they're against letting the people of New Hampshire vote on this, number one, it shows they're scared of what the people of New Hampshire oh, yeah. are going to do. And number two, it shows they're against democracy. Yep. So if I you're think- pro-democracy and afraid to allow people to vote for something just because you, you don't want them to do the thing that you personally don't want to happen... 
you're not really pro-democracy. You should get voted it, out. It actually, if you vote against this, it also shows that you're afraid. Well, you're, I mean, you're afraid of the fact that you you will become independent. That the people yeah, will vote. That's right. And that there is a lot of support. So that's exactly what um, I said. And I, I, it is, and I'm, I know I'm repeating it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> me too. It's worth repeating. But it's worth repeating, right? Uh, it's more of a, so another quote from Tarosian. Quote: It's more of a shot across the bow to the feds who want to impose mandates and regulations that infringe on the U.S. and the state constitutions. He said, "Quote: Do I think we're going to do it?" Absolutely not. There's not a snowball's chance. The other side of the aisle has mischaracterized this and said I'm not a patriot. I'm a U.S. Coast Guard veteran, and I'm all about protecting rights and freedom and keeping the cost of state government at reasonable levels, unquote. And there's more. In fact, he does say, he has a quote about whether, you know, if this actually does succeed, if this proposal goes through. What does he say about that? That's coming up here in moments. The number 603-283-6160. That allows you to join us with your thoughts on New Hampshire independence or independence where you happen to be. Is there a movement uh, that we haven't heard about yet? This is Free Talk Live. You can join us. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Open phones if you want to join us here. 603-283-6160 at 603-283-6160. We've been telling you about how Intercoin can help any business or organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. And now Intercoin has launched its investor token worldwide. And for the first time, it's available on a centralized exchange and a decentralized exchange. You can create an account over at centralized exchange, xmarkets.com. It's exmarkets.com using just an email address, and therefore you can keep your privacy intact over at xmarkets. You can deposit dozens of different cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, trade them for Tether, then use your Tether to buy ITR, which is the Intercoin Investor Token. You can learn more about the Intercoin vision at intercoin.org. And you can buy or sell ITR on xmarkets.com as well as Uniswap. You can get the Uniswap link right there on the front page over at intercoin.org. Once again, that's intercoin.org. You might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. Now, speaking of advancing the cause of liberty, declaring independence from the United States would definitely do that. We were just talking about uh, last night how New Hampshire is the freest state in all of North America, when you compare Mexico, Canada, United States, all the states and provinces in those places, New Hampshire's number one. New Hampshire is also number one of all the 50 states, according to the Freedom in the 50 States study that just came out, uh, the 2021 study. You can see that over at freedomin the 50 
Org, I believe. If you go to freekeen.com, I just put up a lengthy story about these studies today. New Hampshire also, I found this one through the Free State Project newsletter. There's a website. Let me see if I can get the site name because it's escaping me at the moment. It is Wallet Hub. WalletHub.com. They do a study that I'd never heard of before called the Taxpayer Return on Investment Rankings. Now, it's kind of a silly name because the idea that anybody gets any sort of return from the government stealing their money is ridiculous. An investment sounds like it's voluntary. Yeah. It's a it's a, just a t- terrible name. For, just investing uh, in idea. the government. Yeah. No, that's not what anybody's ever called paying taxes. Right. I mean, it's also kind of weird, too, because it's, it's a cost of doing business, maybe, but it's not necessarily... You don't necessarily expect to expect a return on. It's kind of like it's kind of like if you have a company and you pay for somebody to administer your email servers, you don't have a return on that specific cost. Yeah, what so, they're, what they're talking about here is not specifically that you would get some sort of money back or whatever. Not it's not like that. Yeah, what it, what they're saying is is they compared the fifty states yep. and the size of the government compared to the amount of taxes and the quote unquote like quality of the government services based on the amount of money that's coming into them. Meaning that New Hampshire is a relatively low burden as far as taxes are right. concerned. Very low, actually. Yep. And they also have a fairly decent, you know, when you compare governments, right? Now, we're, we're looking at cancer here, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> which DMV is the least worst DMV yeah, is they, basically what they're They saying. have a name for it. They call it the New Hampshire Advantage. Is that what the New Hampshire advantage is? I think yeah, it's like lower taxes and whatnot. Right. Yeah, lower taxes. It's, it's no. It's like I think it's the sales tax. There's no sales tax. Is what it is. That's one. Yeah, thing. but there's more to it. It's just that New Hampshire in general has a lower tax burden. That's true. That's true. I don't know if I would say that the bureaucrats are you know the New Hampshire advantage though. Well, no, no I, just whenever like um, I was knocking on doors for Young Americans for Liberty, some of the people they had as their not like slogans but like bullet points for why you should vote for them i i want to keep the new hampshire advantage right that means new hampshire's lower taxes and yeah. better because yeah, and of that I, I think it's clear i think we should probably be clear about why why they do this and, and one of the reasons why politicians want to have no sales tax and have this advantage is because we get business from other states we correct get people mo- not necessarily living here but uh driving into new hampshire to in buy order to alcohol buy to all buy sorts of cigarettes just go buy, shopping to go shopping in right. general without sales tax so yeah that's that's kind of what the new hampshire advantage is yep. that doesn't speak to the quality of the government services though and that's what this uh, study is looking at hmm. so it's looking at you know looking at the relatively low cost of government in new hampshire and then the question is do you get like jack you know squat for services or do you actually get like you know in the scale of governments relatively <laughs> decent services so like for instance if you go into the dmv here in new hampshire I actually, I don't think they have lines anymore because now they have appointments due to COVID. But previously, the lines weren't that bad. And, like, the ladies behind the counter might actually smile at you. <laughs> like, the, the bureaucrats over at uh, the, the city hall, <laughs> the, the city hall bureaucrats, they're usually pretty friendly with you as far as when you go and pay, you know, like, your uh, your property tax bill or something like that. So they're they're just a little bit better here as far as, like, they're less... I mean, they're still bureaucrats. Like you heard me on the phone with the bureaucrat from San Antonio the other day that was just lying about forwarding me to the wrong place and just being so rude to me for having the audacity to ask her for her services. Yeah. And it's not to say you won't encounter that in New Hampshire, but in my experience, the bureaucrat 
experience here isn't as bad as it is in some other places. And so, for instance, like I've called the court here in New Hampshire on a number of occasions, and they're always friendly, and they almost always find the information that I'm looking for. Yeah, so. I, I think that I think what it is is that they're terrible here, and they're just a little bit less terrible than everywhere else. Well, that's all that we're talking about. Like right, I said, right, we're right, comparing right. Uh, disease. You make we're it. You make it cancers. sound. You make it sound like it's like oh, they smile at you and stuff. I've had that happen. I, I've had that happen. I've actually had. Uh, did you, you get a young like a young girl that just started working there? Is that is that who smiled at you? Because I don't usually get that smile when I go in. No, I actually did have a young girl whenever I went to go get my driver's license unfortunately mm. um i had like a young nice person and yeah it's if i went to go get a driver's license in like san antonio or utah it'd be horrible i mean i have yeah. have done that so that's all i'm saying that's what they're comparing here is mm. they're comparing the you know the government's quote-unquote services in all 50 states and they found that new hampshire had the lowest like comparatively lower tax burden and surprisingly decent services for the low tax burden that they had. Essentially, they're yeah, the number that, one that state. That doesn't for surprise that. me. Yeah. So, number one across the board in multiple studies. And it's probably and, because you're more likely to know these people. Or well, that that doesn't hurt, right? Like when you see when you see the bureaucrats. Like I just yeah. saw uh, the, one of the, the ladies that works at the courthouse. I saw her when we were at the Mexican restaurant the other day. She's hmm. walking by, you know, going to have dinner or whatever. So yeah, there's a good chance you're going to run into a state rep at the grocery store. There's a good chance you're going to run into even the judge. You yeah. know, walking down the street at uh, at some point. So yeah, it's not like, unheard of. Yeah, like you know where your where the judge lives in your town. You can, and yeah. we protested in front of his house. Judges, the past, uh, politicians, the governor's house. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's. I mean, the, the state itself is like one point five. 1.3 million people Correct. so i mean the largest city is a hundred thousand like around a hundred thousand so right it's just more accessible the government yeah. here is uh for is more accessible than in a lot of places so just you know i bring this up as just a point like once we can get the federal government gang off our backs New Hampshire will, I think, and I think arguably it already is the freest place on the planet, but there's no study that really shows that crystal yeah. clear. Um, but if you can extrapolate the idea that, you know, New Hampshire or that the United States is one of the freest countries generally, and New Hampshire is the number one freest state, if we're not weighed down by California, New York, federal regulations, all this, you know, crap that's currently weighing us down, we will be by and far the freest place on the planet. You there's know, no doubt. You know, it's, it's interesting because I was having a conversation the other day with somebody who is... Mm, well, we'll say you're. We'll, they're sort of your arch enemy, Ian. <laughs> anyway, hmm. um, but you know, he made me think that uh, you know, it's it's one of the things. One of the things that you. It's not always just about the freedom, right? Like you need. There's other factors too, and New Hampshire is not just good on like freedom or taxes. They're good like in so many ways, like surrounding ways, like for example, like we're near a large population center, you know, um, which, you know, attracts, you know, uh, increases salaries and you said about Boston. Yeah. Like Boston. Okay. Um, but the point is that like, there's other factors that also, uh, you know, help to make New Hampshire a really great place. It's not a, heavily populated place or too populated so the cost of living isn't high mm-hmm. but at the same time you get all the benefits uh like economic benefits like and we're not even talking about just government right we're talking about just let's just get rid of all governments right we would still have that um you know that advantage so to speak uh simply because of you know like lower cost of living and being still being around a very very populated area where you can do trade and business and so on so but what happens if the proposal for new hampshire secession happens what if it passes 
Uh, one of the state reps does address that question coming up here in moments, even though he doesn't think it's likely to happen. And I, I got to say, I disagree with his negativity about that. But uh, there's more coming up here. 603-283-6160. You can join us. Share your thoughts on Free Talk Live. funds for Give Directly, the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty. What they do at Give Directly is they locate recipients that are in need and they use mobile money to send them cash, no strings attached. In the past decade, they've delivered over $400 million to more than a million people. And research shows that giving cash to uh, people living in poverty can help drive a range of important positive changes in their lives, like employment, nutrition, health, and education. In addition, cash allows individuals to invest in what they need instead of relying on aid organizations and donors thousands of miles away choosing for them. Isn't that what you would prefer? Well, if so, Free Talk Live is matching your donations to Give Directly, the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to families in Bummit and Khalifi counties in Kenya who are in need. Free Talk Live is matching your donations up to $30,000. So if you're feeling generous this holiday season, head over to give.freetalklive.com and help these areas that are plagued by drought, floods, and fl- uh, food insecurity. There may not be a better way to help families in Kenya. Head over to give.freetalklive.com. So talking about independence, uh, New Hampshire, with the ballot measure, or at least theoretical ballot measure, there's a bill that's being filed. We don't have the number of the bill yet, but the bill's already getting, uh, you know, I, can you even call it a bill if it's a constitutional amendment? I'm not really sure what the right wording is. I would use constitutional but amendment personally, but... The, the, the constitutional amendment hasn't gotten a number yet, but it's already getting media attention. The Keen Sentinel running a feature story. We've been sharing that and commenting throughout uh, the night tonight. But, of course, there's other things to talk about on the way. We'll talk about the elderly and uh, them being subjected to a driving test that may stop them from driving for the rest of their lives. Chris has that story that's coming up. Uh, but, again, Ian, Chris, and Bonnie in the uh, studio here tonight. So they're interviewing this. The Keen Sentinel got one of the co-sponsors of the constitutional amendment to secede from the United States. Uh, on the phone and got some comments from him he doesn't actually believe that this has a chance of passing in fact he says he says there's not a snowball's chance uh that this is going to pass which i think is you know awfully defeatist sounding and i you know i wish that he was more optimistic but i understand it's it's probably a realistic viewpoint to say hey look the first time anything gets proposed politically it generally doesn't pass. So it's a realistic viewpoint to say that. that you know, they, the they keep saying that until it does pass. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it often comes, you know, as I, th- I think I think Dave has made a very good point. Uh, one of the people who's kind of got the, the, the whole thing off the ground as far as uh, independence for New Hampshire. Um, but he Dave you know, Ridley, Dave Ridley. Yeah. But one, one of the points he makes is, you know, that there are a lot of people who if you had asked just a couple years earlier whether and I forgot what countries he's referencing, but, you know, whether or not, you know, the the country could ever or the there i guess they were part of another country or something whether they could ever be independent right and everybody would have said no no it could never happen and you know a couple years later before anybody realized what happened they were independent i really hope to see 
uh, the conquered government suddenly one day just being like, oh, crap, we're independent. It's going to be a lot harder to fillet the federal government, and we actually have to answer to these people. I'm looking forward to that as well. So what if it actually happens? What if this ballot measure gets on the ballot? What if more than two-thirds of New Hampshire voters vote for it? Uh, He says... Quote, the other side of the aisle has mischaracterized... Oh, sorry. Next paragraph. Tarosian said that even in the extremely unlikely event the proposal succeeds, the results might not be as earth-shattering as some believe. He compared it to Brexit, the United Kingdom's withdrawal from the European Union. He said, quote, it really didn't affect things. I know it's different, but the fear of change is worse than the actuality, unquote. And... I appreciate his uh, his viewpoint on that. I don't agree with him on that. It definitely changed. The, it definitely changed the UK um, majorly. <laughs> but how did it way? change it majorly? I never I mean, hear about it. I mean, okay, so like for example, and again, some of this is kind of hard. And one of the one of the problems with the UK is the timing of their. Um, I want to say their independence, um, but the timing of Brexit, right? It happened during the pandemic, effectively. So, well, it took four years to get it through. Did. Like, they, the it people did. voted for it, like in 2016. It did. Right. Um, so, uh, but one of the points, I, I guess, is that if you look at like, you know, we have traffic issues, like everybody has issues with, you know, truck drivers and there not being enough of them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really, really bad for the UK. And that's not entirely, it's, it's, it's a solvable problem, um, but it's partially because of Brexit and them not allowing uh, basically non-UK uh, drivers into the country. Now that's a choice they made, right? Right. <laughs> it's not like something that has to happen because somebody succeeds. It doesn't. It well, doesn't. That's what comes. That's what comes around back to what we were talking about earlier, where there's a certain group of right wingers who are going to want to lock the borders down of New Hampshire when we secede, and at that point, those will become our enemies. I, and those the, those people exist, and they, they? will want. They oh yes. Yeah. We, we were trying to interview somebody, I'm, and he said he didn't want to go on the record to say it, and then he just started spouting off really pro-closed borders things. Okay, okay. When they say pro-closed borders, do they mean outside of the U.S. They mean borders? They building a or? wall around New Hampshire and keeping out people from New Hampshire. That's what they really? mean. Really? Yeah. yeah. And there's wow. more than one of them. It wasn't just one guy. Well, that the, was I was just giving an, yeah. him an example so of the fact that we spoke to him. At the same event she's talking really, about, there was yep. more than one person who I had a similar viewpoint. Would have, I would have imagined that the people who were pro-borders would have been like, yeah, except for the United States. Or except for Canada and the United no, States. No, they want to keep the mass holes um, out. I, th- I think most people are pro-borders. Before, even weird. after I became a libertarian, the that, last change that happened in me was actually you know i do understand why there needs to be open borders like i was against the cops forever the last thing was okay now i understand why it doesn't make sense to have closed borders i used to think we have to have closed borders for protection you mean it doesn't make sense no it doesn't make sense to have closed borders right okay yeah (laughs) but she she used to think differently yeah right 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 um yeah yeah it's uh, you know it's it's interesting like i could almost see like i don't necessarily like i understand that I don't want people to move here, not not necessarily immigrants or foreigners. I'm okay with that. But I don't want certain people to move here that... But just give them no so incentive to move here. Give uh, 
state lovers no incentive to move to New Hampshire. Yeah, this then is you yeah, don't have to worry about the it. I love that idea. That's a much better idea. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, the and, and, borders. and the uh, the Free State Project, Jeremy Kaufman has been doing their social media recently, and he's yep. done a really good job of addressing this mm-hmm. because this is one of the main objections: is that oh, all the you know, Boston people are going to move in and take over, and it's going to become a socialist state. And it's like no, the actually the evidence shows the opposite is true. The evidence shows that the more we get closer towards more freedom here in New Hampshire, the less attractive New Hampshire becomes to those people, to the very people who that you're talking about that you don't want to come here. Turns out they don't want to come here. If there's a bunch of freedom people in the state house, if a bunch of freedom people are you know putting more liberty into place and getting rid of state programs, yeah. slashing state budgets, cutting taxes, eliminating entire bureaucracies, what happens those is the people, people stay away. Yeah, yeah. The, the best way to keep people out is literally to go more free. You know? And the people <laughs> who are freedom minded, even just the slightest bit, in a place like Massachusetts, they might hear about New Hampshire and think, "Oh, Massachusetts is less where I want to be." And New Hampshire is more where I want to be. Yeah, they may be coming from Massachusetts, but they're liberty-minded. Or at least more so this than is, not. You know, this is one of those reasons why I, I kind of like to see, and I don't I don't have a gun, but um, I like to see people open carrying. Yes. It's because it, it scares them. It scares, it scares people yeah. who are, um, you know, we don't necessarily want here. People who are not pro-freedom. Yeah, the best thing we can do besides legislative advances yep. towards freedom is to actually do what you're talking about. Yep. Open carry a weapon. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a gun. It could be a knife or whatever. Whatever you feel comfortable yep. open carrying. Open carry a weapon and don't wear a mask. That plus the, the other. <laughs> yeah. both, those two things is like the one-two punch to knock the statist, leftist, you know, liberal types out of this state because they get scared. Like they go on social media and they 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 cry about this stuff. Oh my God! I was walking down the street. The others in the store, and there was a man with a gun, and he didn't have a <laughs> mask on. And I, I remembered, I'm not in Massachusetts anymore. <laughs> you know, I can't those people imagine are this. real. Those are real people. Yeah. The other day, nobody, Nikki, and my little sister and I were at a restaurant, and nobody and Nikki were just talking out loud about their opinions about masks. Like, mm-hmm. oh, th- you're just wearing a diaper on your face; the particles can go through it. Nikki is a nurse, by the way, and she was saying those things, yep. and it was just silence. Like, I was trying not to laugh or smile because the uh, staff was like clearly listening to us, upset, and just not saying well, anything. Weren't the, you the they were only all masked. ones in the store. We were the only people in the store, and it was like silent. They were just yeah, like, you know, what's so funny is I, I feel, I always feel like I'm living in a bubble because I, I don't, I don't hear this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I know from other people it's happening. But it's like, but this is also why I like the idea of having other, other people like join in on conversations that I don't agree with because I then get a understanding of okay, what do people actually, you know, think and feel uh, that disagree, you know, that are not part of my bubble, you know. Mm-hmm. Coming up, a parent, a pair of parents have been charged criminally in a school shooting. A shooting. Bonnie's got that story. Uh, your calls and thoughts are welcome. And the elderly people being subjected to what might be a very unfair driving test. We'll talk about that on the way. This is Free Talk Live, Hour 3 next. We'd like to invite you to visit Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour of the program. You can bring up anything that you want. 
We'll take control of the airwaves here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian and Chris. And Bonnie. We're going right to your phone calls and thoughts. We spent a lot of time tonight talking about independence for New Hampshire. It's finally making some mainstream media coverage. I mean, it hasn't exploded yet, but... It may it may very well, you know, at some point. Now, the bill hasn't gotten an, a bill number. I think once it does, it'll be easier for the mainstream media to refer to. So I think we might see maybe like a holiday season uh, level kind of coverage, maybe over Christmas or something like that. I'm hoping, you know, we'll see. I think it's I think it's worth talking about. It's definitely going to be a big issue. But we're going to go to your phone calls and thoughts here to start things out this hour. And then we'll talk about the elderly driving test that may basically disqualify the supermajority of the elderly from driving. But first, to your calls and thoughts, Mark is on the line listening to WGOW in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hello, Mark. How are you doing tonight, guys? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? So um, this is just the... This is the thing that I always bring up whenever something normally you're hearing this out of Texas, you know, secession from the union. But this is the thing that nobody takes into account. So let's take New Hampshire, for example. 32 percent in 2021, 32 percent of New Hampshire's budget came from federal funds, two point one billion dollars. OK, that money goes away when they secede. OK, no, it doesn't. Second, that- yeah, it does. It's no, the money stays in New Hampshire. Yeah, so so no. we actually pay more money to the feds than we get back. So if we no okay. longer pay the feds, then we'll have more money. That in New money Hampshire. stays it in the just pocket. Just won't have to go yeah. through the change of hands. I mean, we right. at, at worst okay. we'd have to increase state taxes to make up for some of the losses, but it will be at a lesser rate because there is more efficiency within the state than there is, you know, within the federal government. Okay, uh, then the the source that I read must have been incorrect. So well, no, they just off, the source you read just you know was was biased. Biased. giving a half truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it, it, okay. So let's, let's forget that. Every military base in the state shuts down, and all those soldiers are redeployed. So Portsmouth goes away. Portsmouth, the city, doesn't go away just because a military base goes away. So you're actually... Portsmouth, the city, doesn't go away, but the naval base in Portsmouth goes away. And And what's wrong with that? And and so that's wrong. Okay, new jobs will take over the void. The problem problem with your logic is that you assume that the state won't uh, implement its own military. Um, Not that we're, 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 we're advocating for that, but it's certainly something that is not an unlikely outcome. Yeah. You would have to implement your own military, which means you would have to start implementing. And this is like for any state. Any United States, if if a state secedes from the Union, any United States military officer in that state would be withdrawn from that from that new country. That's that's actually not necessarily the case. Um, I mean, mean, they have Guantanamo Bay, right? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you've got you've got to understand that people uh, people in New Hampshire are not necessarily going to want to leave, uh, you know, New Hampshire if they, you know, I mean, for multiple reasons, you know, um, they may be preferred to leave the uh, U.S. military as opposed to. And we're presuming that the U.S. government will shut down the those bases, and they may not. Yeah, we can have an agreement to have them here, but it's more I don't... likely that we would be getting paid by the U.S. government to keep the to bases. keep those military bases, unless they want to spite us. Um, because ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what happens with most countries. The U.S. But government pays most countries to have those military bases there. It's odd to think that the U.S. government wouldn't have an interest in protecting something that's in the mainland of 
the rest of the states, you know, something right. like the United States wouldn't care. I, I, don't, I don't either. I'm not interested yeah. in it. Because I hope that they leave. What they're interested in doing is killing innocent people all around the planet, and I'm not interested in having those people around here, honestly. Yep. But but either way, well, it's going to shake out. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever way it shakes out, it shakes out. Let's yep. say it shakes out that they close down the military bases. Mm-hmm. And let's say it shakes out that New Hampshire's like, you know what? We don't need to spend money on a military because yep. New Hampshire's a pretty frugal kind of place. We've already got more machine guns per capita than any other of the other 49 states. So we're fairly well armed here in New Hampshire. And I think we would be just fine, uh, you know, defending ourselves if necessary. Yeah. And there's some other things to think about, too, is we actually have a low, a super low unemployment rate in the state not to mention that uh and a super low crime rate too. right we never need to when, use the guns right when they if the economy is in theory were to sort of the argument is effectively the economy will collapse if the, if, if they leave right so the it, opposite's true the economy will it, boom because it, it we probably he doesn't understand how a free market he, works he says oh there, there will won't be those it, jobs if the government leaves it, no the free market can create uh it's a temporary those jo- thing those right? jobs in a better more efficient way yeah, quickly this is, this is the and same quickly. this is the same argument that uh you know people use again AI and you know robots and things like that, right? When we add those, when we add new technologies it, and it displaces workers, usually uh, you end up with higher paying jobs to do things like yeah. fix those robots, yep. right? It's the same thing if, if the U.S. government left uh, the military base, you know, effectively, you know, if if, if New, Ham- New Hampshire left the United States and the military base left, and or if they stayed, we would be making more money because we would no longer be, um, you know, we would we'd be able to charge the federal government money rather than us paying the federal government to have the military. Mark, other thoughts go ahead well i mean just there's there's other things that go along with it like you know there would just have to be a reallocation of budgetary funds because let's say you do have to man that base you have to pay for that you have to pay the you have to like instead of the united states interstate being maintained by the federal government it would have to be maintained by the state government or the new country's government so your argument is that we shouldn't secede because it might take a little bit of work you think that we should just stay in the status quo? I don't know if he's saying that we shouldn't secede. He hasn't said that. He's yeah, just bringing up he's just bringing Problems. up objections. And as I understand it, the state governments are the ones who maintain the interstates. The, there's not like a federal road crew uh, that goes around and does that. Yeah, they, they probably send funding. It's, uh, for it's it. allocated. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. we got right. plenty of roads here in New Hampshire. I think we can handle. Who are already you know, maintaining them? It's just a, a matter more. of re- changing the budget, maybe increasing yeah. state taxes in order to. I don't think you would even offset. need to. I, I mean, you know, think about all the extra money that's kind of like, people would donate. I mean, you're probably to right. It, you know? <laughs> you're probably if, right, but if that's what it came down to, you could sponsor the roads, right? Like companies could sponsor the roads. It doesn't have to be taxes. To yeah, do this. I mean, these, these libertarians are, have have written about private roads for decades. So, and this you know? is this is the thing, like. I don't think we're going to be able to do everything overnight, right? Like I'm, sure. I, I am of 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 but the opinion. But we can secede overnight. We absolutely can, and that's one thing, right? So we don't necessarily have to privatize all the roads overnight. This is something that we can take a little bit of time on and figure out what the best solution is. It doesn't have to be done the moment that you know New Hampshire gains independence. We could just basically re, you know, increase the taxes, uh, state taxes. Continue doing what the federal government no, did. Chris, no and increasing. Then, no, don't say that. I know. No, I know. We can't. We can't because you're still. If you increase state taxes, though, you're still paying less in taxes because you're not paying the federal taxes anymore. Yeah. So I think what we ought to do is just slash the state budget. Like get rid of the state police. Uh, get rid of as many different stupid government bureaus, like the the look, liquor commission. I agree with uh, you. You know, you could slash. I just the hell don't think out we're going to do it all in yeah. one bill. No, there's no, no. <laughs> I agree with you there. Uh, Mark, other thoughts? Uh, go ahead. 
I just thank you for the opportunity to come on. Thanks, man. I appreciate the thoughts. And, the, and these are important objections. You know, these are objections that are going to come up again Absolutely. and again. And a lot of people are going to bring up the military objection. Uh, Bad Slave is on the line here in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Bad Slave. Thank you, uh, Ian um, and uh, Bonnie and uh, Chris. Chris. Go ahead, Bad Slave. <laughs> yeah. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I uh, just wanted to say that um, I, I agree with open borders, basically. Okay. And uh, but uh, the, you know the I, I, the I, the issue comes up uh, with the, the people that you know of, of the other states or uh, entities that surround us. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to? Uh, be happy with uh, an open border arrangement. Yeah, um, and, I would think uh, that they would want to keep shopping in New Hampshire. So, like, why wouldn't they? It's uh, what people don't understand is the inter the, the interdependence we all have on trade, and not, I'm not just talking about at the within the United States. I'm talking about at the national and international levels. Countries, you know, don't want to shut down with each other because it will negatively impact their trade. Um, so, right. it's in both New Hampshire's interest and the federal government and or uh, surrounding can you, states. Can you imagine, like, mass? Massachusetts people who probably have friends and family in New Hampshire voting to close the wall to where they could never just drive over the border again. That's no, crazy. They want to come get cigarettes and alcohol. Thanks for the call tonight, Bad Slave. Appreciate it. And drugs once we leave the, uh, the United <laughs> oh, States. Yeah. Uh, all right, so more coming up here. You can share your thoughts. 603 283 6160. Come get your shrooms here in New Hampshire. In the story, or in the story, in the the studio, just read a story about uh, independence and posted one over at nhexit.us. Stories on the brain. In the studio, it's Ian. And Chris. And Bonnie. We're going to go back to your calls and thoughts. And, of course, you can bring up whatever is on your mind. Free Talk Live is streaming live over on Odyssey, which is the freedom-oriented video hosting and video streaming service that is somewhat based on the library protocol. You can learn more about library at lbry.com. It's where we've been posting videos for several years now. Uh, and it's an uncensorable media sharing protocol. And those are the people that launched Odyssey in 2020 to compete with YouTube, give people an alternative that is not going to censor the things that they create. Uh, head over to video.freetalklive.com. You can follow our Odyssey channel there. You can watch the show live or later on anytime you want at video.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Sarah. She's on the line in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Chris, and Bonnie. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. So as you know, I, I brought up that New Mexico is number one in pedestrian fatalities per capita again. I think... It might be like 12 or 13 years in a row. Or wow. Eight years. Yeah, so we usually kill about 97 or 93 between there. So for 1.8 million people, that averages out like three people for every 10,000 or something. So per capita, we're number one. So. Why do you think New Ham- or sorry, New, uh, New Mexico <laughs> pedestrians are so bad uh, at getting hit by cars? 
Well, you know, one thing is that, um, for one thing, it's a very uneducated, poorly educated population here, as we know. They don't know so that cars that, will kill you if they hit you? <laughs> well, the thing about it is that they really don't care if they get hit by a car. because they, they Are they drunk? Oh, way. they're suicidal. Well, no, it's just that they accept it as a part of life, like getting killed by a drug driver. They just grow up that way. It's like accepting That's a weird earthquake. thing to say. Isn't that is it? such a weird answer. Most people are sort of interested in life preservation, yeah. at least of themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, their parents teach them. Isn't that a horrible en- um, endorsement of your public school system? Sarah, don't you think that uh, I mean, people losing their own self-preservation is a horrible? Well, I, don't I don't know even, if that's a school system. Yeah, it's thing. not even a school well, she, system. Well, that, that's thing, what yeah. she's claiming. She said it's because of a low education. Uh, yeah, but it starts in the home. I mean, it was yeah. my parents who taught me look both ways. You look yeah, both right. ways uh, more than once before yeah. you go out into the street. That's, that's, that's like you know, something you teach a four-year-old. She's always claiming that it's because there's drunk driving a lot, but. This could also be the pedestrians' fault. They could be drunk and not paying attention. That's what I'm saying. Well, but here's my is that that's the argument. Well, yes, of course, pedestrians do make a mistake. Mm-hmm. But when they make a mistake, they're just going to get their when they make they they get hurt, they get put in the hospital, they get killed. When a car makes a mistake, if they kill somebody else. They're running around with a, a legal, I mean, like a two-ton weapon, and it's it's a legal weapon. When they what make do a you mistake, propose? What do you think should be done about this? Coach. Well, you know, I'm just really, I'm just waiting for the self-driving cars, and I'm just waiting mm. for all the the buses to be automated because they can't, they have hard time uh, finding bus drivers. Nobody wants to do the job. Because in the winter times, the homeless people they throw rocks at them, uh, throw beer cans. They don't want to get off the bus when it's cold. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's um, a big dilemma here. So I just can't. I'm just waiting for the self-driving cars. So, wait, so it sounds like the issue is actually mm-hmm. self-entitled homeless people due to the welfare state that New Mexico is. Does well? Do 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 uh, do homeless people get welfare? Some of them probably do. Yeah, they like in and out of I shelters. Think, Okay, I so guess a lot of them do, and um, I, I, there's a lot of homeless people here. Uh, that that is for sure. And then you know this this state, they could they try to make panhandling like illegal. They're saying that well, they panhandle in the middle of the street, the medians, and then it's, it's a pedestrian safety oh. hazard. But the whole <laughs> thing about and then they interact with the cars. They they run up to the cars where they hold mm-hmm. out money. But our Supreme Court has always backed up the panhandlers, no matter what. They could do it in front of the. No, it's, they uh, should be allowed to. Private, if it's yeah. if it's public property, they they should be allowed to be there. Uh, but if it's private property, then you have the right to have them removed. I- I wonder. I wonder if there's a correlation between drug use, um, especially certain types of drugs, probably, and the death rate as far as like people, you know, getting run over and things like like that. Because I mean, I would think your typical person in the street that's not on drugs is not going to be, you know, r- running across the street without looking. Which I think is the main. Cor- well, according main to cause, so. Sarah, and she's from there, the people just don't care if they live or die. <laughs> I mean, but <laughs> is that not like that seems like somebody who might be on drugs, right? Like. Well, here's the thing is that that's my whole point of this is that the lack of education, people like, like if I was a pedestrian, I lost my family member, other states, like people in New Hampshire, they will sue the driver, the insurance company, the city or the county property or the state property. They will go after them. That's what the Californians do. I mean, they 
were willing to get run over by a Rolls Royce or something, they could sue and get money. Over here, they're so disorganized. All the pedestrian, they have no organization. They have no committee. They don't have any, <laughs> well, any, any group. I don't think there's yeah. a, wait, there's a, there's a pedestrian organization in other if states. If these people don't care if they live or die, and then you give them an incentive to get hit by a car and sue, I think that you might see pedestrian uh, death rates go up. Sarah, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. It almost sounded like, and I want to get some, you know, move on, but it almost sounded like she was saying that automated cars should be mandatory. Yeah, but how would that even solve the problem? I have no idea. I guess she trusts software more than she trusts people behind I mean, the wheel. Here's the thing. I mean, okay, so the car is automated, right? Even though people somebody make software. runs out in front of you, whether it's whether you're driving or it's automated, it doesn't necessarily mean that the, the automated car is it's gonna able stop to stop. It's going to stop in yeah. time, right? Like, yeah. There's there's certain physics Right. There's a uh, mathematical here, right? like formula yeah. as far as the it's, speed you're going, yep. how much notice you have to have before your car can yeah. stop. It, really, her call just convinced me that it's the, the pedestrian's fault. Like, oh, there's homeless people that run out in front of cars the, the driver may be liable but they didn't necessarily uh they, they it doesn't necessarily mean they could have prevented it or it's yeah, that there's i don't or know it's if, that there is their fault that you know somebody right, died. well if it's not their fault right. they're not liable well it depends on the state hmm really yeah and and the age like if you if you run over a three-year-old you're like liable no matter what it doesn't really? matter yeah yeah it doesn't matter if it was your fault or not because a huh. three-year-old can't um, like decide to oh this is a good you would job think time would to do it be like the liability of i don't know the caregiver yeah, the not, parent, not you but yeah that's, at least that's, that's the case the in like a lot of states like new jersey and mm-hmm. i don't know what others but yeah definitely i remember that in a law class the number here is 603-283-6160 of course you can bring up anything you want actually it's a good uh, segue into the story you wanted to discuss, Chris, which we'll get into coming up here in moments. We're going to actually go over to uh, Korea for your story. South Korea, not North Korea, because uh, you don't really ever get any news that's not from the government's news agency in North Korea. So, And really, there aren't that many drivers in North Korea either, so there's really... <laughs> Almost no one on the roads. Yeah, there. only the elite have exactly. uh, cars. Yeah. And, the military and yeah. the elite. That's about yeah, it. The military doesn't even have cars. They're actually using horses uh, really? the military in North oh Korea, from my understanding. But they have uh, a large military, too. So that is on the way. What's going on in South Korea with elderly drivers? Are they going to have their ability to drive taken away by the new driver's test? Uh, and it sounds like it. We'll tell you what this t- uh, test is going to be all about. Coming up in your calls and thoughts are welcome as well here on Free Talk Live. This is uh, Free Talk Live. The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a forward by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. Free Talk Live, and the number if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160, that's 603-283-6160, joining you tonight, Ian here, and Chris, and Bonnie. Coming up, we'll give you a nobody quote of the day, that's a new feature that Bonnie has uh, been putting together for us, she's been selecting various different Quotes from nobody in the past, our co-host, nobody who's banned from being on the show, sadly, uh, thanks to the federal government. 
and their bail restrictions in the Crypto 6 case, which you can learn more about over at thecrypto6.com, where our studios were raided and several other locations simultaneously here in New Hampshire earlier this year. Back in March, actually, uh, thecrypto6.com. We'll get to nobody's quote coming up here, but we're also going to go back to your calls and thoughts. Plus, South Korea's new driving rules for old people. Uh, We'll get into that. But first, Richard is on the line in New Mexico. Richard, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yes, I I want to follow up on older people driving I had a father that thought he could drive his car up till he was about 86, 88 years old. Mm-hmm. He had diminished eyesight. He had diminished hearing. And it's, thank goodness he uh, didn't get in any accidents because mm-hmm. he thought he was a uh, race car driver, too. <laughs> and my sister talked to the driver's license examiner when he went down to take his driving test, and she told the uh, driver's examiner about my father and told the driver's examiner to fail him. Wow. He was definitely a menace on the highway. And with Albuquerque, New Mexico drivers, uh, both pedestrians and Drivers need to pay more attention. I I see almost every day people that are driving, talking on their cell phones, they're texting. I've been getting close to being hit several times. Yeah, I've seen it too, Richard, and it is disturbing. I you know we have a window here in front of the the studio, and there's a stop sign out there. I mean, it's not a major highway or anything like that. <laughs> We're in a neighborhood, but uh, I see people on the cell on their cell phones all the time. And the fact that there's a law against it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. In fact, if anything, it makes it more dangerous because the person uh, who's on their phone. And thank you, Richard, for the call tonight. I appreciate your thoughts. Uh, the person who's on the phone who wants to send a text message, you know, it's a bad idea, right? But they do it. And so now they're going to hide the phone. Yeah, make it right? more difficult to Not uh, be drive. looking towards the yeah. road at all <laughs> right. because yeah. it's on, on their lap. Exactly. So it used to be you can what, see before it. they made it illegal, you could just hold the phone up at the steering wheel level. And at least then you'd still have some peripheral vision. Right. It's, not, it's still not a good plan, but it's still way worse to have the phone in your lap below the you know the level of the dashboard, and then you have to then the person's looking downward. Uh, that's just a bad plan. But well, I see it all the time. Sarah's explanation that basically she was saying that people are too stupid in New Hampshire, not I mean not New Hampshire, sorry, in New Mexico <laughs> to not get hit by cars was starting to sway me into maybe it's the pedestrian's fault, but I forgot I have driven through New Mexico a lot hmm. and it's the worst driving of any really? state. They're just that bad. Yes. I wow. I definitely uh, I feel think like so. Tennessee and was it North Carolina? They're pretty bad too. Really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think Tennessee was like super bad, but oh my gosh. The thing about New Mexico is actually uh the caller really Richard. reminded me, Richard, um, they're just really slow and not paying attention to anyone mm-hmm. else. They'll be in the right lane, just really freaking slow. You're going to piss people off. And just like, it's just the main thing is that they're slow and well, they've got nowhere to be. Yeah. If you're not paying attention, then that's definitely not going to not paying uh, attention, going into the lanes. So let's talk about the uh, the elderly drivers in South Korea. Apparently, there's some new program, Chris, that you wanted to talk about here tonight. That may actually disqualify 
the bulk of elderly drivers from being able to drive. That's what it sounds like. Now, um, if that's the intention or not, that's the that's going to be the question here. What's going on? It, 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 it sounds like the most crazy story. And if there, if you ever wanted a means of disqualifying all elderly drivers without actually having a law in the books that kind of just outright does it because mm-hmm, that um, would be discrimination right right, right. <laughs> this is the way to do it south korea will use a vr to determine if the elderly can keep driving uh, and this is from hmm, i think this is the tnw news Okay. Um, and yeah, so I'll see here. The Korean the Korean National Police Agency is pushing for the implementation of conditional licenses for elderly drivers by 2025. Then in and that that in and of itself is well boring, but the real story is about how they'll determine who gets to keep their license. The answer: virtual reality. As of Monday, a three-year research project has been introduced, which will employ VR tech to assess whether drivers age 65 years and older can remain behind the wheel. I am, uh, I, I just want to say, like, I don't know, I don't know, have any of you guys used VR? Because Actually, yes. I have, and it's like tricky it can be tricky especially mm-hmm. if you've never used it before yeah for sure and if you're older um and even if you're not if you're young often it'll cause things like headaches and or vomiting and other things vertigo or whatever right right yeah. right in different types of people so even if you're not older it i mean can you imagine trying to take a driver's test while having to you know barf to, to, to puke yeah it can't I mean, be exactly like driving of course not it, and, and sure it's not and the question is would it even test the um the things necessary uh, for you to drive in the first place, right? Like, now, just clarify, it's a very different experience. Were you saying that this would only apply to the elderly, or that all drivers will have to take the VR test? No, this is uh, this is specifically to sixty five years and older. Huh. So there, that's why I'm like, is this just an intent? Is the intent? Is the actual intent of to oh, get them to fail? Yeah, is to get people to fail in order to get elderly drivers off the road, but without being like sort of discriminatory. I mean, it kind of is discriminatory because you're only making sixty five year old and older people take the test anyway but yeah yeah i mean they said that it was a three-year research project maybe they researched and realized old people can't play video games the research hasn't happened yet that's what they're they're gonna do that's what i think it's proposing to do wait is this a research project or a mandate that all elderly people in south korea take the vr test no i think they're they're advocating for it and then there's going to be a three-year research project um the research project apparently has already been introduced it sounds like um so yeah it's <laughs> there's a budget for it the program uh, total budget is expected to reach approximately three million dollars so yeah uh let's see contrary to other countries around the world south korea has no strict regulations regarding the driving licenses of seniors unless they test positive for dementia hmm. Currently, yeah, I mean, okay, so wouldn't the better answer be to, like, just have them take, like, a normal road test as yeah, opposed to... Yeah, why go to... with the VR? I mean, it, it, I think you're onto something here because the elderly are just not good with video games, okay? Yeah. And that's, there's more than one reason for this. The number one reason, I think, is because they just weren't, you know, for the most part, they didn't grow up with them. You know, yeah. they, uh, video games Ooh. have only been around for the last uh, 40 years, roughly. I mean, yeah, the I mean, the people who are getting becoming elderly, like retirement age around 65, they're probably like they're probably like the 
first generation of people who even had access to video games. Some yeah. of them did. So, yeah, that's true. They would have been in their 40s or whatever when, when games came out. But back And in even the- those people, sorry, my dad, he cannot play Pac-Man with... If you try to get um, an app on a computer and mm-hmm. use the arrow keys, my dad gets so mad because he can't, he can't play that. Pac-Man. And what, if you give him a joystick, he's like the best Pac-Man player I've ever seen. So oh, really? it just it's a it's only it depends on the type of thing well, you know like elderly. he's not going to be good at doing a vr though he's just gonna be like man this crap is frustrating your I'm dad not would have been it. a teenager in the 80s which would have put him squarely in the arcades yeah so exactly that's why elderly. um I, i'm talking about people who would have been in i know but 40s. i was just giving an example like i'm i can just do the finger or the arrow keys so well and You're not the joystick the system because i grew up with it yeah right all right, number uh, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I'm saying these people, a lot of them, they didn't play video games in the 80s, no. the 90s, the aughts, or at any point in their lives. And just, you throw a VR set on them and expect they're going to be able to drive a car in that? <laughs> Ain't going to happen. More coming up. Talk Live, kicking off the final segment of this episode. Missed out on calling in tonight? Well, you can still get your call in it right now at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Of course, we're on every single night, so you can tune in Saturday, Sunday night. We're on live all seven nights a week. It's Ian, Chris, and Bonnie in the studio here tonight. Don't forget to check out Chris on his show, Freedom Decrypted. It's a weekly tech show that happens Saturday evenings, Eastern Time, starts at about 5 o'clock. Uh, so don't miss him over at freedomdecrypted.com. And uh, what do you got coming up tomorrow on your show, do you know, at this point? Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh geez i'm trying to think what we've got um we got lots of tech stuff for sure of course i, I yeah i can't remember you get a co-host um yeah at the moment it's kind of on and off again so mm-hmm. it kind of just depends sometimes but it's just you sometimes, sometimes it's just L-Stone. me um, i heard stone, stone on and he was pretty good yep l stone is uh l stone is co-hosted cool. very he's very haphazard so it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah check him out freedomdecrypted.com tech oriented liberty friendly great show on weekends, Saturdays at five ish over at Freedom Decrypted, and, and there are Definitely. there are archives, so you don't actually yes. have to go and watch, have to live. watch live. Yeah, uh, there's a podcast, audio version, and yep. video, of course, uh, anytime you want it at freedomdecrypted.com. Uh, before we go on with the story about the elderly and the driving, I, I want to make sure we don't miss the nobody quote of the day here. Thanks to Bonnie for searching out some old nobody quotes from various different nobody content. Some of it released, some of it unreleased. Uh, here is one of them. Quote, we don't have to live our lives on blood money. Absolutely. What did he mean by that? He means that the dollar is funded by war, so it's necessarily blood money. And people think, oh, there's just no other way to have money but to go through uh, using the dollar. And nope, there's other ways. There sure are, and I know that nobody is a big fan of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin Cash, for instance. If you were here right now, I'm sure he'd be talking all about how uh, cryptocurrency is the way to empower yourself as an individual and get away from that blood money, to get away from that government money. And, of course, we're huge fans of that here on Free Talk Live, and that's probably why we were raided by the federal government earlier this year 
in their Crypto 6 attacks on freedom. And that is why nobody is not in the studio with us. At and this why time. they don't want him talking. Correct. Yeah, you can't talk pro freedom on 200 stations and uh, not expect to get raided by the FBI. So oh. uh, kudos, Bonnie. Thanks for taking the time to, uh, to pull those quotes. We're going to continue them as long as you're willing to uh, continue providing them. And if you want more Nobody, I guess the best way to get him is uh, in the past. You can pull up old episodes of uh, Free Talk Live over on our SoundCloud page. That's right. He's still banned from uh, from, from any kind of media. From media. Yeah, talking to media. I, I mean, it, the, the ban on him did not specifically say he couldn't blog. But I bet that they would interpret it oh, later geez. on that it's, he can't block. It's so broad. These, it is. It seems con- broad. The bail yeah. conditions um, and these restrictions. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably better safe than sorry in that case. But. Yeah, I mean, and this, is, and this is. I mean, this is how they they try and step you up. They try and make people. It, it's you know, and a lot of times people are actually like they're not in a good position to follow rules as you know as it is but when yeah. you make those rules so broad and unclear and you don't even know all the rules because they're so lengthy because there's another set of rules you don't even know about and they're not in the bail condition or what you know that kind of thing it's like how do you follow them and it's you just hard. you can't you know yep so we're talking about uh, South Korea they've got some sort of VR system that they're going to subject only people over the age of 65 to to renew their driver's license. Yeah, and this is kind of speculation. Uh, we were speculating on this earlier that it, it may be in an effort to simply uh, basically take away driver's licenses of elderly people uh, through a roundabout right. way um, because they don't want to make it look like it's too discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, let's be honest, even young people you know, have issues with... Uh, you know vr headsets and you know throwing up and things of that nature because yeah, just there's just some natural... people who can't do it right right do they have like an overpopulation problem in their cities well that's what the story actually gets into oh, oh really? because so, then they might be actually wanting to get more people off the road because there's just too many cars for cops to chase not exactly overpopulation but overpopulation of elderly people really? so the population is aging Wow. Yeah. So um, let's see. Here. Is that because people aren't having children in South Korea like they are in Japan? Yeah, it's the same type of thing. Uh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just a Jap- or Japan thing. Yep. Yep. No, Um. it's it's. Uh, well, let's get into it. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's I don't even know. It's I, there's a lot of Asia, Asia in the, uh, Europe as well. Um, there's Europe a lot too. of the world. Yeah, a lot of the world is actually that's the situation. We're not like maybe not India and you know maybe Africa mm-hmm. but in south maybe not south america but like certainly like asia a lot of asia a lot of north america a lot mm-hmm. of europe yeah definitely never heard that about like united states um and, and honestly so, my friend sent me a video of a bts concert recently it's like the most popular korean band and there was more people than I've ever seen in a video in this picture. And it just made me think that we're overpopulated with young people. Yeah. 70,000 people screaming for this band, BTS. Sorry. I, I want to I say, I want to say, well, how many people do you have in your family? And then how many people did your parents have in their family? Uh, because that's usually, that usually works pretty well. Uh, yeah. But I don't know if that's the case for you. Her parents have six kids. So <laughs> yeah, that's why I have an adopted one, I think. I think they have eight. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but um, I don't know about you, but my parents, for example, had uh, three kids and my parents on my, at least my mom's side, they I think they had nine. Hmm. So yeah, something like that, eight, nine, something like that. It was, it was a lot basically. And so like just if you look at like the past United States and you can kind of see that the population is falling. Um, Yeah, it just I don't know if it's quite as bad as like I don't think it's quite as bad as like Europe, but it's certainly... It's definitely, you know, 
more people are getting older and there's fewer kids being produced. So. Interesting, yeah. Apparently, uh, in 2020, the U.S. birth rate fell by 4%, but that could have been because of COVID. COVID, yeah. People can't go out and go on dates Although and one-night stands. Yeah, but it, it was falling before that. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's been falling for, I mean, decade after decade after decade. So, yeah. The U.S. birth rate began dropping years before the pandemic, according to PBS.org. I don't see how it could really be a problem, though in the United States there's just so many people like when I went to visit San Antonio in September I felt like there was more people than even when I lived there in January it just constantly grows yeah it it could definitely become an economic uh, problem um, with a a population getting older and nobody to fill the job is I mean you kind of have an imbalance in the economy everything goes sky high in terms of prices and it's like how do you deal with that and and honestly there is a solution to this problem actually open the border yes Um, because Japan has been having to do right 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 but nobody wants to open the border so because you know unfortunately people are racist and bigoted and everything but it's an interesting story uh, in Japan where people have been not having children they have not been reproducing. They've just they don't even have relationships in a lot of cases. Like the it's a very insular kind of society amongst young people. They're more likely to kind of stay keep to themselves. And I think you're right, Chris. You're starting to see some of that in the United States with mm. now people just being online so much, not even meeting in in real life. And and it's going. To, I think it's going to be even more dramatic over time. But what what happened was. Because people aren't having babies in Japan, and it's probably one of the, the most extreme examples of this on the planet at the moment, from what I understand, mm. uh, it's exactly what you're saying. The old people are getting older, and there's no young people to replace them when they you know, retire, basically. And so, like literally in like elderly nursing homes, there's not enough people to take care of uh, the, the elderly. I just don't see how people. this can be a problem for long, because basically like society will just scale. Like They'll only have... Like they'll no have smaller there. things to. They'll have a smaller set of jobs that need to be filled. But there aren't see. enough people to fill the jobs. I mean, that's I'm, the thing. I mean, There's maybe no, eventually, the, the, but it will scale. Is what I'm saying. It's not like that it has to stay the down. same amount of. Yeah, it doesn't have to stay the same amount of jobs available. Well, I mean, well, yeah. After the old people die off, there, then the, it might. But. Yeah, I mean, the problem is that the, there's going to be a, there's going to be decades right before those. Those people, the old people, right? That when there was baby booms, effectively, before they die off, and in that time, yeah. there's going to be much more healthcare. You're going to need more healthcare workers. You're going to need more people, and they don't um, have it. Yeah, it's not like it's not like you know people who are older. They don't buy as much. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they buy less economically, but they still buy stuff, right? right. So you need there's to money, have, but there's no one to, to like service. Right, right. So the the cost of you know the, the wages are going to have to go sky high in order to compensate. But then that also causes problems because then people, young people, can't afford to do things like buy houses and. Like I mean, there's just there's just all sorts of problems with with uh... so yeah they have there have been proposals about loosening immigration requirements because Japan has always been this very insular yep. culture where they haven't wanted to let a lot of people immigrate in, into Japan and now they have to yeah basically. I, and honestly like we're already seeing some of these problems um, in part probably because of like maybe I mean because of the government's response to COVID but like mm-hmm. there are ways to solve some of the problems of us not having enough employees you know working at McDonald's Robots. and. Well, that's one solution. But the other solution is open the border. You know, let Mm -hmm. people come here. Um, If we've got jobs, I don't see a problem with, you know, letting, you know, if you don't let them come here, they're going to go to Japan. Yeah. I mean, and and again, if it hurts our economy, it hurts us all. And if it hurts us all, why? Why would we want to hurt ourselves? We're out of time for tonight. Um, Don't forget Chris over at FreedomDecrypted.com and more free talk live. Same time, same place tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime over at FreeTalkLive.com. 
on Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. And we're back with another edition of Rich E's Review uh, coming at you. As always, I am your Free Talk Live correspondent, Mr. Richie Rich. And today I am joined by uh, Tom, Justin, and Casey, the three co-authors, I guess, of the new book, The Romanov Rescue. Uh, so, uh, guys, gal, welcome to the review. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us. Oh, look at that. Don't all talk at once. Um, Tom, I'm... <laughs> we will always talk at once. <laughs> it's, it's weird when you're doing it over Zoom, right? That's one of the reasons why in studio, uh, it, was, it was a mandate early on that if you wanted to be on the show, like as a host, you had to sit in the studio. No remote stuff um, for the very reason. There's, there's something to be said about being able to read body language when you're having a conversation with someone, eh, but we make do. Um, so, Tom, I mentioned during the warm-up here that you have one of the most entertaining biographies and about sections um, I've ever seen on a website. So if you want to, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your, your bona fides, I guess, and then we'll just go around the table from there. Okay, well, I'm a retired infantry officer, recovering attorney, civilian, not JAG. I've uh, been writing for Bain for about 20 years, some portion of which I was in uh, in the Army, um, really wasting my time at uh, Carlisle Barracks. Uh, I've been led or commanded light infantry, heavy infantry, indirect fire infantry, sometimes only briefly as via attachment, armor, commanded armored cav, um, all kinds of service support, been primary or repetitive secondary in every traditional staff area, S1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, served overseas, stateside. Uh, if you want to call it combat, I suppose I've done combat. I've got a CIB, Ranger tab, and, you know, I kind of write now. <laughs> kind of? I mean, I'm looking at the books. You've, you've written quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a girthy tome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Justin? Uh, hi, I'm Justin Watson. I uh, also am a veteran of the United States Army. I was a field artillery officer for 10 years. Uh, two tours in Iraq, one tour in Afghanistan, um, mostly with mechanized units, but we were all in either up-armored Humvees or MATVs for Iraq and Afghanistan anyway. Your equipment loadout was basically the same. Uh, been writing for uh, short fiction for Bain for almost two years now. This is my first novel. Um, been friends with Tom for a long time. This is the first time we've, uh, he's edited my work before, but this is the first time we've co-authored and it's been uh, quite an experience and I'm really excited about the book. Okay. Casey? Hey, I'm Casey. Uh, I'm the token Air Force officer at the table. Uh, I'm an active duty <laughs> helicopter pilot. I've got about 3,000 hours in the UH-1N and MI-17 helicopters. 
Um, and I also write uh, books. Um, I write for Bain and I write for Chris Kennedy Publishing. And um, I met Tom at DragonCon in 2008. Um, and seven. I, seven, something like that. Yeah. And uh, um, I lovingly refer to him as my favorite misogynist. So. <laughs> so when we're talking about the Romanov rescue, we got three authors. Um, I assume Tom, that if I said you were the lead author, that would be fair. Yeah, that'd probably be fair. Okay. So how did, how did the idea for the Romanov rescue come up? And if you want to tell us a little bit, you know, about the story without spoilers, um, go ahead. And then how did, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, tell us a little bit about that and then how you how you uh, came to the conclusion that Justin and Casey would be the co-authors for this book. There if that's how it came. And, and four people actually wrote in the book. When you read most of the Tatiana sections, they're, by a, they're from a woman called Mona Lisa Foster, beautiful woman, um, great writer, I think. Uh, and it started with her asking me a question. She wanted to write a story about... Um, the, the night witches, Russian female night bomber unit in World War II, but she didn't want it to be communist. So the, the question was basically, how do I have this happen without communism? And I thought about that for a while, and I said, well, you got to save the Romanovs. And from that, we started kicking around, started kicking it around with Justin, got a tentative idea, called in Casey, hey, you want a part of this? Oh, yeah, she wanted in. So there were four of us, and... Um, we came up with the story, did an absolutely ridiculous amount of research, uh, which doesn't mean you won't find things wrong. It's possible someone will, but some thread counter somewhere. On the but, Internet, uh, everything yeah. is wrong in some way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, maybe someone will try to second guess me on just how many hundred ruble notes could fit in a particular safe. I don't know. <laughs> They'll be wrong if they do. Yeah, that yeah. was the... <laughs> So Casey, he invited he invited you in, Casey, and you said you just jumped on the opportunity. What was it about this project that uh, drew you drew you in? So I've uh, this is not my first time working in alternate history. Um, I have a, a solo series um, that is uh, uh, also it's kind of a different type of alternate history. It's more like a if you're familiar with the term secret history, where it's postulates that, you know, the timeline is basically unchanged. There's just secret shit going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, usually of a somewhat supernatural bent. Um, I have another series that falls into that category. Okay. Um, the first so, thing that comes to mind is the movie National Treasure. Is that is that a fair comparison? Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. Kind of like that. Um, it's uh, my, uh, in my particular solo series, um, shameless plug here, um, it's... Uh, <laughs> I focus on psychic women at war. So uh, the first book is, is set in World War II with a, uh, a psychic woman named Evelyn flying on B-17 bombers. So, okay. Um, yeah, so that's so that's sort of my background. And, and Tom knew that I wrote that because I, I had pinged him for some some research questions about the German language and things like that. And um, he mentioned that they were doing this. Um, and uh, and I was like, oh, that's such a great story because uh, – Mona Lisa is also a friend of mine. Um, and she, and I, I knew that she was writing the night witches story. Um, because obviously, you know, chick aviator, of course, I'm interested in a, in an all women aviation unit, um, that is, is credited with some just amazing, um, feats of bravery during world war II. Um, and, um, um, so I was excited about her story and then, 
Tom's like, hey, you know, Mona Lisa's doing this Night Witches story and we were thinking about doing this other thing. And I was like, that's fucking cool, dude. And he was like, hey, well, you want in? And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want in. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's just kind of how it came to be. Um, yeah. Okay. Within, without leaving in too many spoilers, um, a large portion of the storyline depends upon the uh, actions of a certain Zeppelin crew. Uh, the L-59 is, was a... Um, combat airship run by the imperial german navy and so i'm pretty sure tom brought me on board because he's like i don't like this air shit i need someone else to write it so he was like let me call, let me call my pilot friend okay and you justin how did you get involved well tom go ahead tom no you go oh okay okay so uh i got pulled in kind of tangentially because tom's been working on a world war ii alternate history project that some form of will probably end up in continuity with this book, uh, provided it sells well, knock on wood. Um, and then we had had long, long, long discussions about what are the ramifications of both the rescue of the Romanovs uh, and this World War II old history idea. And I started projecting ideas of, you know, okay, well, if World War II goes different, I started projecting ideas out into what we know as the Cold War. And we realized we had, you know, these disparate parts and they, actually the puzzle pieces fit well together. Okay. So we, we had developed the idea sort of together and then, you know, folded Mona Lisa's idea into it as well. And that's how, that's how I came to be a part of this. So in the, in the larger world, um, the Romanov rescue is kind of the starting point for a, a potentially new world and new series, or does it already fit into something larger in some capacity? Think nights and volumes. Yeah. <laughs> we hope. It's a starting point. It's a starting point. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, again, we we did, we got a little bit of uh, of the story uh, from from Casey there, but not too many spoilers. What's the what's the gist of the Romanov rescue? Ooh, um, a German general takes a wrong turn in his nightly walk and prevents a rape. He already hates the Reds, and he starts thinking because of that. What can I do to stop the Reds from taking over Russia? Because it's clearly not in Germany's interest. Okay. Uh, and he, anymore. <laughs> anymore, no. Um, Russia and chaos is fine. Russia and the communists is not. And this guy, Max Hoffman, by the way, is probably the greatest staff officer in human history. Uh, he was a two-star. And effectively, he was the commander-in-chief of three armies. Um, because of the German staff system at the time. Uh, and he remembers that the airship is back and he starts thinking he was what we would call a foreign area officer in Russia for a while. And um, so he goes to a Russian POW camp and recruits somebody and sets that somebody to recruiting still more people until he has a force. He's got a way to get them there in the airship. He's got a force. And in between that and the and the rescue is a good deal of reconnaissance, a fair amount of action and considerable in the way of uh, organizational training and logistic preparation. Okay. And so what's the, what's the selling point, I guess, for our listeners um, to, to pick up this book, would they have to like your style of writing or is it, is it a pretty easy read to just get into this world in anticipation for more books to come out? I think it's easy. Um, yeah, I joked earlier that it's a girthy tome, and that is true. But I will say it is a very quick read. Okay. Um, because the, um, you know, it, if you're familiar with Tom's books, Tom, 
writes books that could be used as instruction manuals, um, but they're fun and they're interesting to read about. And at the end of it, you end up knowing how to, you know, build a rescue force <laughs> okay. because, because of, uh, of the detail that he goes into and, and the way in which he writes the books. And so this kind of follows that same, um, that same sort of model. Uh, but interwoven with all of that is, you know, are these characters that, that we created that, um, that I, I love, you know, they're, they're interesting people. And it's, it's, um, I think, I think fans of military sci-fi really resonate with, um, characters who, you know, are doing the things that they're doing for whatever, whatever reason that they're doing them, but they're very passionate about it. And that, sure. I think that's true of all of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. And to dovetail with what Casey said, like we have our, our heroes are fighting off one of the greatest real world tragedies that had the largest human cost in history, arguably. And that's the rise of communism. Um, right. And you have all kinds of people from all different walks of life, from Royals to peasants, to German air crew, to Russian soldiers, all fighting what we know happened tragically in the real world. And it's a chance to see, you know, it's not a light and fluffy book, you know, that there's, there's violence, there's darkness, but these are people fighting against arguably the greatest evil the world has ever known. Uh, and we put a lot of heart into them. We put, you know, my, my characters are a couple of enlisted guards. Oh, did I lose you? Uh, who end up shaping oh. the story in their own way. And I, you know. So let's talk about that. You, you, there's three of you. You guys are in the writing room. How does that get divvied up? Like you, you come up with a character, you develop it, and you see where it fits into the rest of the story. Um, no, you each take a section. First. We developed an outline first and then parceled out the outline. Okay. Yeah, so each of us kind of had a main thread to follow. Um, like I said, I had a couple of the enlisted uh, guards. Mona Lisa took responsibility for uh, Grand Duchess Tatiana. Um, Casey had the air crew, and Tom had the rescue force. Interesting. And so this all comes together. Um, Tom, I guess you're, as the, again, I called you the head writer. You you take these drafts um, from Justin, from Mona Lisa, uh, from Casey, and then edit it, edit it down to dis- to distill the final sometimes story. Severely, sometimes severely. Yeah. Hello, Justin. Um, <laughs> I only wrote forty or fifty thousand more words than you asked for. I don't know what you're <laughs> <talking> about? <laughs> that sounds like you're a lot. Like I'm not I'm not a writer, but that sounds like a lot. <laughs> it is. You know, it's a month's work or so. Okay. Um, <laughs> the uh, no, the, the, some of it just didn't fit. But that doesn't mean in this story. That doesn't mean we can't use it. Uh, later mm-hmm. on somewhere else. And and I intend that we shall actually. Thank okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote that because I, you know, I, I took a pretty tight character focus on uh, Chekhov and Dostavlov are my guys. So I wrote sequences with them during world war one and Tom was right. Like it, I, I happen to think it was pretty decent stuff, but he, it wasn't part of the novel proper. So it, it belonged to being cut from this book. So okay. I'm, I'm not too salty about it. Well, and again, if the book sells well, you'll have, you know, you have plenty of opportunity to reintroduce those stories, maybe be- where they fit better. Oh, who's ringing? I don't know. It's all good. I think it was Tom. Somebody tell him there's a button on the side. Turn off your phone. No, it's all good. <laughs> that was my wife. Yeah. Well, she does outrank us. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, mama takes precedence. Absolutely. It's okay. 
Um, so we got the book. You guys have, have compiled it, put it together. Um, one final push then. What is the one thing you would tell our listeners to go ahead and why should they pick up this book and get started in this universe? I think Justin kind of already... Go ahead, go ahead. I, I think Justin kind of already hit on this, right? Like, so it's called the Romanov Rescue, but <clears throat> it's not about rescuing one family. It's really about stopping the tide of um, communism, you know, arguably the greatest evil the world has ever seen. Right. Um, and um, I mean, it's, I love alternate history overall because of the what if question, the, how would this have turned out differently? Um, you know, there's, there's always going to be evil in the world as well as good, but I, I always think it's an interesting exercise to postulate. Okay. Well, if not the one we know, Right. What would rise in its stead? And that alternate history also is a little bit of a, a deviation away from the standard science fiction, right? Where it's monsters and aliens and whatever. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and and I, um, I I just I think this I think this book is a is a fantastic study in in that what if in that idea of, you know, how can we can we stop evil from entering our world? Can we, can we keep it from, you know, from destroying our homes and destroying our families and destroying our civilizations? Um, why is it so important that we, that, that we continuously fight to do that? Um, I, I think you'll find all of that in, in, in the Romanov rescue. And it's just a damn good story, right? Okay. Like it's just fucking fun to read because it's so interesting and, and there's so much action and there's a combat airship. Like what more do you want? Right. <laughs> you know? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, push, I'll put look at the cover more. how do you get better than this huge phallic symbol <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking at the cover is that the the, the the double eagle head or whatever on there on the side of that airship as well yeah yeah, that, that's an imperial German. yeah yeah um and i will say too for anybody who's a just a fan of military fiction in general tom really uh through his characters outlines what is in this alternate universe we've created the first modern special operation, arguably um, it's really cool to go through the logical process. His officers and NCOs go through because, you know, most of what we think of as, you know, hostage rescue operations are still far in the future of 1918. So it's a really cool process to go through and, you know, figure out how they create flashbangs decades before we know, know of them. I mean, hell, Tom nearly immolated himself for the sake of accuracy uh, on this. I'm not joking. I, I'll let him tell the story, but he, he really did almost set himself on fire trying to get this right. You want to tell that story, Tom? Yeah. The, the first uh, stab at, at trying to illuminate, after, we, after I figured out the, um, the flashbangs, how to do flashbangs back then, the first stab were these cylindrical dynamo lights the Germans had. You pull a, a chain and it'll light for about five seconds and the more I thought about it, the less I thought that was going to be enough light. And that actually gets reflected during the training sequences. So I started thinking some more. And, you know, then I remembered carbide lights. So I bought four carbide lights at considerable expense. And um, one of them was defective. Oh, my goodness. And when I was testing, <laughs> when I was testing it out, flames started shooting out in all directions. And I'm out in the, sn in the snow at that time. You can't drop it in the snow. It'll melt it and turn it into water. That means more flame. 
Um, so I'm twirling this thing in my hand, and it is oh so fucking hot. Going, <laughs> trying to blow it up before I set something on fire. Nice. Yeah. Typing was hard after that for for several days. Actually. Well, well good thing you had two other co-authors. That's right. Uh, yeah, really. So, Casey, you mentioned earlier you got like a, a cheap plug in there. This would be the time. Um, they know why to buy the book. They know where to buy the book. Uh, Bain.com, B-A-E-N.com, available on Amazon. Uh, but do you guys have personal websites or anything else that you'd like our listeners to know about before we wrap things up here? I have one, but I don't use it for much. Well, it's I'll, I'll say yours, TomKratman.com. Uh, k-r-a-t-m-a-n dot com like that's yeah, you should go to tom's website just because it's a really good master class and an author's website I, I haven't told you that tom but i actually really think your website's pretty dope i mean the I'll the about section is right at the top it's like front and center when i went to that website and it, it drew me in immediately so <laughs> i knew this i from re- just reading that about section i knew this was going to be fun so that's that's one um yeah casey justin any any place else they should find you uh, you can find me at kcezel.net. That's K-A-C-E-Y-E-Z-E-L-L.net. Um, I've got uh, links to my uh, my Bain books and my indie books there. Um, you can also search for me on Amazon. Um, most of my stuff is on there as well. So, Justin, last uh, chance. Likewise, uh, Justin Watson, normal, boring Anglo-Saxon spelling. Um, is uh, I'm on face pretty active on Facebook. Uh, I usually accept friends requests as long as you don't look like a suspiciously attractive uh, Russian fe- Russian or Arabic female with a, a lack of command of the English language. The worst part um, about that is when they have one mutual. I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, you got to go tell the mutual, right? Because then, then I know my friends are, are messing around. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, bro, come on. Come on. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so uh, website's not up yet. I was actually working on that today. Um, and yeah, that's me. All right. So once again, you guys know where to find the books. Uh, Amazon, Bain.com, The Romanov Rescue. Thank you three for joining me on Richie's Review. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks, man.